2: dirty show baby don't you know that i can love you more if i were capable you know i would for sure but that's unrealistic and after all i'm just one.
3: I bet your Mothra is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Beloved monster family, the king of all monsters is home! Joust, Gigan, Minilla, kids! What, are they at building kicking class? Oh Mothra dear! Sweetie! I bet you're in... THE KITCHEN! No, um, not in the kitchen. Where the heck is everybody? Could see a lot better if there were some lights on in here. Go green, she says. I am green. I'm God-freaking-zilla. I'm the greenest there is. Click. Click? No, just a... mini why are you wearing a lampshade on your head?
4: I'm a lamp.
3: I'm a lamp, he says. Sweetie, why are you a lamp right now?
4: No reason. I am but a humble lamp.
3: Well then, lamp, where's your mommy?
4: She took cows to the show Pigeon Salon to get her horn buffed.
3: It's gonna take a lot more than those small beauties to make that girl presentable, yeesh. Where's your brother, Gigan? N-
4: nowhere.
3: Son, your brother has anti-gravity flight, not dematerialization.
4: Yes, me not to say.
3: Teach a child to be polite and curious in the home, and when he grows up, he'll never be able to merge his car to the freeway. <sighs> Son, would you rather tell on your brother... Or feel the might of the guy who can keep you indoors the TV off for the entire summer.
4: Oh, please, please don't! <laughs>
3: That's more like it.
4: He went out with those multicolored
3: human kids! You have got to be kidding me! When I get a hold of that kid, he's gonna wish he was never hatched!
4: At least he didn't ask what happened to the lamp.
2: that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to Nerdy Show Prime, Nerdy Show's monthly blockbuster episode where we dig deep into a single nerdy subject, interview the biggest guests, and in some instances, you decide what we each talk about. This is one such instance, and the topic is giant monsters and their natural enemies. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Brandon. And with us we have the hosts of Wicked Anime, our twice a month anime podcast here at Nerdy Show. We got the stupid awesome analyst, Jonathan. Hey, that's me. And a hard man with harder opinions, Andrew. Hello. We dare you to tell them apart.
5: Yeah, it's, you're not going to be able to. It's not going to happen. Nope.
1: <laughs> but with their powers combined, they form a extremely awesome duo of uh, Japanime knowledge. And um, here we are. We're talking about giant monsters. We better have all of our all of our best <laughs> weapons at our sides, cause uh, Brandon and I we ain't got shit on
5: these two. Nope. We'll bring the angsty teen attitude to destroy this topic. <laughs> How tall
6: does a monster have to be before it's considered a giant monster? I need to know things like that, please. Well,
5: okay, so we have <laughs> um, two different specifications here. Mm. We got something between kaiju and dai kaiju. Now, a kaiju is a regular size monster, typically. Typically, it's something that you see in Tokusatsu or Sentai that's just a monster that they fight. Now, when you have the bad guy turn them into a giant monster, that's when they become a kaiju. Oh, and you mean like when the-
6: Queen Rita comes out and she's like, Grow! That's a daikaiju.
7: Yeah. Grow! <laughs> <laughs>
6: Before we get two balls deep
1: into this already quite in-depth and informational giant monsters discussion, I should say that in this episode, we're going to be interviewing some awesome people. We're going to be talking to... Simon Strange of Sunstone Games, the guy who's been a creative force behind some of the best regarded giant monster fighting games of all time from the uh, PS and PS2 era. He's developing a game called Colossal Kaiju Combat, which is a fan-funded game. And also, we're talking with Matt Frank, a fan-favorite giant monsters, particularly Godzilla artist, who's done some work on IDW's Godzilla comic series, various titles from that, and he's also the character designer of Kaiju Combat. So basically, we're interviewing two people that are currently working on Kaiju Combat. Right, and Matt Frank works on IDW's, you know, various Godzilla titles. Mm -hmm. And also, I got a chance to talk with Eric Powell, creator of The Goon at Heroes Con. He was the first author to take on Godzilla at IDW, and he had a pitch that Toho rejected. So he shares that with us in this clip. Plus, Pacific Rim is out, so we've got our thoughts on that movie later on in this episode. This episode's been a long time in development, and we got two awesome people to thank for that, Big Bad Shadow Man and Berto Elcon. This was a fan-funded episode of Nerdy Show Primes. So they chose the topic and we, uh, we answered. Way, way, way back when, w- we did an event to commemorate this. Uh, it was kind of going to be a 50-50 thing. We were going to do a shorter Nerdy Show Prime episode and then also a movie marathon. It was actually our inaugural movie marathon was a Gamera movie marathon. We watched a crap ton of the original Gamera films, most of them, and then followed it up with the Gamera trilogy, which Big Bad Shadow Man generously sent our way. And uh, old Gamera... Funny, derpy turtle with rocket hooves. Rocket hooves. <laughs> and, uh, oh my God, 90s Gamera. Some of the best giant monster stuff I've ever, ever seen. He also sent us Godzilla vs. Biollante recently, which I watched. And uh, that was the first Godzilla film I've ever seen, actually. I don't think it was the best introduction to the Godzilla franchise. But... I gotta
5: say, though, Biollante is a horrifying monster. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's it's definitely an interesting one i like the first form best perhaps but i feel like there could have been a lot more done with it we'll get into that later anyway uh so thanks to those guys for waiting this long and this actually clears the plate once this episode is out why we can open the doors again to uh, a whole new era of you guys choosing topics for nerdy show (laughs) with faster turnaround as in we will not ever take one of these on again Unless we have finished those that have come before. And know that we can do it, (laughs) yes. (laughs) One of the things that's delayed development of this episode so long, in fact, is that we were trying to get a couple very high-profile interviews. And we came very close to doing it. We wanted to talk with Guillermo del Toro, amazing director, huge fan of monsters in general, who's right now directing a uh, giant monster film called Pacific Rim, an original giant monster property. And we were also going to talk with Travis Beecham, the writer of that film. It was about to happen, but Warner Brothers is actually interested in holding off. Will we get those interviews? I certainly hope so. We came very close to it, and uh, if we can, we will have an interview with both those guys
6: sometime later this year. But so for now you got stuffed. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, It's pretty much how it goes as you set up these interviews and then the last minute, some legal guy comes down and says, well, we can't actually do them for another few months. Sorry. And then yeah, we are like,
5: oh, wait a second. Yeah,
6: it's pretty much last moment when these things happen.
5: It's really too bad, too, because Guillermo del Toro is easily my number one favorite director. You know, I just, I just I love Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like my favorite movies.
1: Yeah, He's incredible. In fact, Big Bad Shadow Man's requested us to do a microsote on the topic of him. We'll see if maybe, well, maybe
6: that'll all coincide I mean, with
1: him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, Guys. That's all the, um, the insider info on how this episode came to be and what's in store for the future and what's in store for later in this episode. But right now, we've got to talk about giant monsters. As they're conventionally understood in this whole Godzilla giant monster destroying buildings framework, it's very much a creation of the 20th century. But in fact... You know, the idea does go back a lot farther. How far does it go back? As far back as human imagination, more or less. You know, you could chalk it up to other things that inspired Godzilla, dragons and such. In fact, Guillermo del Toro, um, one of his reference pieces, one of the things he looks to for inspiration for uh, Pacific Rim, is a uh, Francisco Goya painting uh, called The Colossus of uh, a giant man walking behind some mountains and a town in a valley, sort of trying to capture that... uh, that sense of scale
6: and uneasiness that uh, it evokes Mm. Mm -hmm. well we can all agree today though that the best monster movie ever made (laughs) is obviously by far hands down godzilla 2000 with matthew broderick (laughs) that's clearly the best monster movie ever brandon you you have just created a train wreck of information i'm just saying i mean the writing the directing (laughs) the acting that is godzilla that is
1: godzilla
7: yeah
6: 1998 Oh, it's, it's 1998. God, Godzilla, Godzilla
1: 2000 is another movie and that's actually made by Toho.
7: Oh,
5: what yeah, I meant to say
6: <laughs> movie. was Godzilla 1998. I think 2000 was actually good. Yeah. Brandon, you know there's a new Godzilla movie being made, right? Being an, made an currently? American
1: Godzilla film.
6: See, the thing is, I don't have to know that because I'm always going to assume someone somewhere is currently working on a Godzilla film. There will <laughs> always be new Godzilla films. Well, there hasn't been for 10 years. They've probably been working on it for a long time. I've been working on it for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting on the next Gameron movie because that's really what I want. Yeah, I would definitely dig that if the same people that did the 90s scammer
1: was involved. Can you tell me about the new one? Do you know anything about it? I can tell you some stuff about the new one. Right.
5: Um, 100% less, Matthew
1: Broderick. 100% less, yeah. Well, I, now
6: I'm not going to see it. I hope Christopher Walken's in it then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, it's Godzilla.
1: It has a, an interesting development cycle. And as you can imagine, like anything that's a big, well-known property, no one can decide what to do with it. But I think they've, they've figured something out. And actually, at last year's Comic-Con, they showed a preview that is not leaked online at all except for a single still, but it pretty much floored everybody that was there. Uh, it's directed by Gareth Edwards, and he's not known for anything save one film, a, uh, a monster film, Great Britain sci-fi film from 2010. And the script's been written
6: by a number of people, as you could imagine. It, does it keep getting revised and pushed what, back and revised and all that?
1: Uh, yeah, that, that did happen. The good news is the last person to do a pass on the script, and they've already started filming, so this is legit, is Frank Darabont, the guy behind Shawshank Redemption, And who started the Walking Dead television series and created that amazing first episode. (laughs)
6: what you're saying is there's going to be a lot of emotions and crying in this Godzilla (laughs) movie. Godzilla is going to floor, like, he's going to nuke a town and then he's going to start crying and, like, cutting himself and going, why?
5: (laughs) And then he gets sent to jail.
6: Yeah.
1: Well, what I do know about it is that Godzilla is
6: said to be fighting monsters in this film and not just combating Matthew Broderick and the military.
5: Now, is this, like, is he
6: fighting monsters over where he should be, like, in Japan? Or has he made his way to America? Okay, well,
1: here's a possible plot synopsis. This comes from a piece of, uh, I'm not sure if it's casting or some basically some kind of industry paperwork hiring in Vancouver where they were filming. The monster is awakened by an undersea explosion and wreaks havoc on the citizens of Tokyo.
6: Okay, so in Japan.
1: Good. As far as I know. Not like space Tokyo. This is not by any means (laughs) (laughs) confirmed. And the movie comes out in May 2014, so who who Ah. the fuck knows. Okay, cool. Here's a weird thing though. A little something to think about while we're talking about all this stuff. Both films both Godzilla and Pacific Rim are being produced by Legendary Pictures and distributed by Warner Brothers. Hmm. Both of them. Hmm. And at WonderCon this year, Del Toro expressed enthusiasm in a potential crossover between Pacific Rim and Godzilla. <laughs>
5: oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would make cool. a sex LR. <laughs> <laughs> Just for no he reason. He
1: stressed that no such plans were actually in place. However, holy crap, I mean, other than Toho putting their big...
6: Rubber stamp on it. What else do you need? I mean, essentially, both movies are going to come out. If they both do well, then I think they'll make another movie where they basically combine them. I mean, how do you combine them? I don't know because
1: they
5: fight each other, whatever or whatever's going
1: on in Pacific Rim, the the world, (laughs) or they
5: fight alongside each other,
1: right? Yeah, the, the world in Pacific Rim sounds pretty well fleshed out. They'd have to be doing some very
6: specific tweaking to make you know a readaptation. Obviously, of Godzilla. a nuclear reactor goes off in Japan, and Godzilla gets sucked into another dimension, and <laughs> then he's suddenly in wherever Pacific Rim. Well, there you go. <laughs> Done. Or I just wrote just, it. Now do it. I or mean, you
5: could just run it like a regular Japanese film. I mean, Japanese films when they make sequels in Japan, they're made to not be aligned at all. Like they're, <laughs> they're supposed to no be sense. completely new stories. So let's just make a crossover movie with Godzilla and Pacific Rim for the crap of it.
1: American audiences cannot handle that. No, my friend, <laughs> I, I won't know. I'll have it, to go online. It, I can't. I don't know what's going yeah, on in the, the movie. It was actually speculated for a while that the big, the big surprise of Pacific Rim was was that, oh my god, Godzilla's in it. But uh, let's
6: get more in depth with, with giant monsters. Well, here. Okay, the other day yes. I ate, here, and here's an analogy. I, I ate way too much cheese, right? Oh, okay. And, you know, I was on the toilet and I was thinking to myself, giant monsters are a lot like my poops you know they're stubborn they're large um they're you know they can sometimes cause explosions and there's sometimes lots of blood involved so it was a pretty good analogy in my mind what do you think well how how much radiation was involved a lot a lot how many many rads 57 (laughs) i don't know i don't know how many rads are involved (laughs) Thank you. you, You're well, I'm just putting my my two poops in there for you, if you will.
1: In mythology, you know, like, like we were saying, we got a, any large thing the human mind can imagine an unconventional giant monster, not often referred from say popular fiction that early 20th century predating King Kong and such, Cthulhu and all the other creatures created by H.P. Lovecraft that are so large they defy human reasoning. Yep. Definitely a big inspiration for a lot more modern monsters, actually. I don't know that it ever really entered into the minds of the people creating some of these Yeah, because Cthulhu is relatively
6: monsters.
1: new. New, but not newer than giant monsters. Newer, I mean, predates, you know, like I said, predates King Kong. It's a 20th century idea, mm-hmm. but,
6: well, or at least it's a 20th century creation the idea itself is much older but um, i mean there's lots of myths and legends of giant monsters and phoenixes and dragons dating back thousands of years don't know where they came from Um, obviously stories grendel from beowulf Mm -hmm. and to be larger than human we could go on
1: but i think we all know why we're here the motherfuckers that beat each other up and stomp on buildings Um, (laughs) (laughs) was that the
6: wolf the dinosaur and the monkey guy right okay got it what what are you talking about
5: (laughs) rampage
7: yes
6: oh shit
1: of course
5: (laughs) oh snap
8: jeez <laughs> he was fun.
1: how weird was it when that lizard just turns into a nude woman i mean when i was a teenage like i'm not a preteen even like i was like i was in the kids like
4: oh my god can they do that in the video would, game i would
6: just keep getting to that scene and watch it over and over again <laughs> it yeah. like, give you a reason to die mm.
5: in the n64 updated version the world tour game they didn't cover themselves up Whoa! You can see Pixel Wang for for some of them yeah. on a Nintendo, Nintendo That's
6: the one thing they've never censored. Wow. Mm-mm. mm. Mmm. <laughs> I'm just gonna watch scenes online. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, King Kong. King Kong is what inspired Godzilla. And yeah, then, is if it you really? think
5: about it, I mean, yeah, kaiju is a Japanese term, but King Kong actually is the first kaiju yeah technically he's the first hollywood kaiju or movie kaiju and that was like back in the 1930s wow
6: and that actually predates any godzilla stuff
5: yep yeah as a matter of fact the toho company of japan who is like nowadays like the universal studios of japan they took a lot of influence from king kong itself to create what they have now as their franchise which is the kaiju movies
6: so you're saying they owe us they, they once again <laughs> stole something from well, America. you know, they, they, you
1: know they, they owe us even further for Godzilla because Godzilla was inspired by the nuclear holocaust at Hiroshima
6: and Nagasaki. So they owe us. They, they owe us, They owe us for bombing them. Yeah, they I think, yeah. Good thing. Yeah. Good thing we don't have any Japanese listeners, or that would upset I'm just, them. I'm
1: just saying that. I'm so
5: glad they've forgiven us for that. <laughs> that. I am I am
1: sorry. I don't know. I honestly, I think the secret is they haven't. Honestly, I was in, in watching Godzilla versus Biollante. Like, I don't think they have.
9: No.
5: <laughs> I, I, I had a teacher. One of my animation teachers who lived in Japan for a while, and he said that a lot of them are happy about it. That (laughs) happened because it saved them from governmental tyranny.
1: Wow. Back to Giant Monsters. Back to Giant Monsters, yeah. The Atomic Age is really beyond the inspiration of King Kong. The Atomic Age is what inspired these things. Because, I mean, there's a message in most of these films. Like, don't screw with the environment. Don't screw with things that you have no control Don't screw with nature. Don't let science be irresponsible. It inevitably always comes back to the atomic bomb. And then, like, even um, global warming and such. Mm -hmm. But, like, before it was something that was very rampant in the public consciousness, the Japanese were dealing with that in their films. And kind of a more theoretical, really schlocky bad sci-fi kind of way but you know it was on their minds
5: it worked for the time yeah it still makes sense i mean they're still making godzilla movies now and kaiju movies which has got to say that like it means something to them just the fact that they you know keep on making them it's just almost like it's a cultural thing i, I don't know what to compare it to here I, if you give me a james little bit bond, of that, probably think maybe. something to compare it to
1: i think it's a lot like james bond but that's a british thing well, it was. I it's kind of a
6: hybrid at this point. I don't really know what it, it they is. Ma- they make those British films with Hollywood money, so you tell me yeah. whose it is. It's like the Saw movies over here. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. just keep going and going. They just It's just a cultural thing. You don't know why. Do you think the the new like nuclear disaster over there has kind of sparked more interest in creating Godzilla films?
5: I don't think so. <laughs> You're like, no.
6: No, definitely not. But now Godzilla could well, come out of another side of Japan. Well, I mean, it's true. Toho has
1: extended the license to America again so but that's bad yes. i don't know what it is, is it well, well, well as, matthew as long gonna as guzzle
5: doesn't end up being pregnant again it just turns into city jurassic park oh my god yeah
1: that was really <laughs> i love jurassic park city it's my favorite
6: simulation game <laughs> <laughs> uh, that it, was terrible <laughs> Fuck you matthew broderick i'm sure he had it's everything not, to do with that movie fault. i don't it care not how fault. do you go from ferris bueller to that donkey shit <laughs> it was
5: <laughs> well did you see tower heist I don't
1: know, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let, if let, since we're on the subject of Godzilla, since we're talking about... We're this, always on the subject of Godzilla. This new thing. We, you know, I think we're probably going to be on the subject of Godzilla for most of this show. So that's fair. But um, the Comic-Con presentation, here's a, here's a blow-by-blow description of the trailer that everybody saw. The idea is that this is going to be something that is actually for Godzilla fans and puts what people love about classic Godzilla in a format that will attract modern audiences. So he's got two machine guns now. Totally. <laughs> giant, giant machine guns. Unfolding to Robert Oppenheimer's I Am Become Death, the destroyer of world speech, the trailer started with some footage of huge urban devastation, shots of buildings smashed to peaches pieces.
6: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
5: <laughs> buildings smashed to peaches. <laughs> they <great>. were cobbled. <laughs> <laughs> I,
6: why won't my mouth work today? I like smash to peaches. I love that. I want a shirt that says that now.
5: That sounds like a good band. <laughs>
6: Hey, man, check out
1: my band, Smash to Peaches. <laughs> we catch a glimpse of a train apparently trampled by a giant foot and then a building with a huge hole through the middle as though Godzilla had walked right through it. And then a curving shot finds Godzilla or some kaiju's body apparently dead on the ground, arms revealed as Oppenheimer talks about Visha's many arms, cuts to a logo and the famous Godzilla roar, and then we're back to a shot of Godzilla alive. The shot tracks up his back and it comes to head level Just in time for him to turn around, show his slightly stub-snouted face, and roar again. And uh, they said the creature design is astonishing. It's very grounded. And that description was from a BleedingCool.com article that was published just after the uh, Comic-Con
6: presentation. You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. Cloverfield. Well, we don't, we don't talk about that, but I think that was an amazing monster movie. I've actually never seen it. Oh, you screw serious? you, yeah, dude. I really wanted to. Yeah, it's, it's really
5: good. It's really good. so good, dude. If you like J.J. Abrams. I, I do. Yeah. Oh, at least okay, I like some him sometimes. Then you'll definitely
6: like it. I think I do. Damn, you haven't seen it? <laughs> You're going to have to stay up till 4 a.m. tonight again.
1: And
5: no!
6: Watch
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> so, one thing that the director said at this presentation was, the film is grounded and there's nothing sci-fi about it. And I think that's a, that's a weird thing
6: to say. Nothing sci isn't Godzilla in itself sci-fi? Uh, Technically, but, like how he's you
5: know, so, where he comes from. So is
1: it
6: fantasy? What is it? Because there's a giant monster walking around. It's not
1: sci-fi. Yeah.
5: <laughs> That's the only other thing that I can think of is fantasy. Well, it could be modern age. Like it, maybe he means sci-fi in the sense that it's a modern day. Like we're not shooting lasers at Godzilla or anything like that. Maybe he really did just walk into a nuclear chemical plant, which exists. Right. And then the military fights him, which exists. So
1: we won't see a hovering Super X2 fighter with a mirror thing that
6: blasts nuclear beams back at him.
5: Yeah, or giant space lasers.
6: Well, we've got giant space lasers now, right? So it's not really sci-fi if we use them? I
5: think we have space missiles. I don't know if we've gotten to lasers yet.
1: (laughs) All right, so let's cut to our first track. This is from Tribe One's Dirty South Swamp Thing EP. It's called Kaiju, Crush, Kill, Destroy.
10: Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible.
2: Rising from the tides of the Pacific and it's on a path
7: Guys,
1: I haven't watched a lot of giant monster films. Okay. I really haven't. There was this thing on TV back when I was a kid called Sushi Cinema. Uh, I'm not not sure how racist that is. Um,
7: <laughs> Just uh, a little.
1: <laughs> and then they'd show old old japanese films of a variety and sometimes their giant monster stuff but mostly it was funky movies about like moss men and other weird japanese shit so i didn't really get as much giant monster exposure as i probably should have the gammer movies the modern ones really truly blew my mind i mean they're uh, as far as things post jurassic park like film productions inspired by jurassic park we had mm-hmm. countless pointless monster films that came out of that fanaticism and people realizing that they could maybe do something similar on a smaller budget but really I feel that these Gamera films are the only worthy successors of the influence that Jurassic Park had on
6: cinema they're so fucking good you know I first heard of Gamera actually when MST3K did like a viewing of it and a spoof of it and that's when I first learned of Gamera which I I thought was funny I think a lot of people did I mean there's the Gamera song
9: Gamera (laughs)
2: Shell, teeth, eyes, flames, claws, breath,
1: scales, fun. <laughs> it's a beautiful song and, and the old gamma films are bad i mean it's a turtle with rocket legs
5: yeah but it's he, a good he, bad
6: and, and he's a friend to all children
5: do you think baby gameras are what they use in mario kart for blue shells <laughs> <laughs> oh
7: that
6: would make sense
5: no it wouldn't <laughs> you <know.
1: laughs> do you think that bowser has taken an influence from the uh, kaiju genre
6: oh hmm that's actually a good question
5: yeah i mean yeah he kind of has like the snub nose thing going on for as far as a godzilla creature goes and he's godzilla got, like, looks like bits.
1: a chubby kitty a chubby <laughs> scaly <laughs> mud covered kitty cat i don't
6: i don't see that but i guess you do for some reason so um i mean bowser bowser or koopa or whichever fucking one you're talking about he is giant in some of the games yeah, <laughs> i don't know i'm anymore. talking specifically about king koopa from the super Mario Brothers Super Show. Well, i'm not i'm not (laughs) talking about that i'm talking about bowser from the video games well he is he is gigantic in mario 64 but in the other games he's really small
1: well he has exploded in size in the past there was a there was that i
6: think he only started off small because of like graphical limitations
1: there was a crazy thing that happened in what like smash brothers melee oh yeah where giga giga
6: bowser yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was scary i guess he does have some you know he does take influence from that um, we didn't talk about hentai monsters yet. There's giant monsters all over hentai. <laughs> That's right. Well, all and, over. I don't know that and, much. And,
1: okay, so we got to touch on two very important things here. Two things that probably overshadow most aspects of this conversation, obviously. I mean, obviously. That is hentai monsters and um, macrophilia. Like, we just, we got to touch <laughs> oh. on these things.
6: Explain <laughs> macrophilia to me. Uh,
1: macrophilia is a mostly internet-based fetish of someone being gigantic and possibly using buildings as dildos
5: oh guys we haven't even talked about hentai on our show yet yeah (laughs) well this is going to be a first
1: we're breaking new ground and a whole lot more but you know you got your little blue girl
6: there's some giant monsters in there
5: which was the first one
6: no what about the the A eratsuka doji yeah oh yeah technically
5: it was erosuka doji yeah that's right
6: That's pretty much all I've
5: watched. Have you you seen like the classic painting? Just like an Edo period painting of the woman and there's like an octopus around her. Yeah. That was the first (laughs) tentacle ever. It was like way back in ancient Japan art. (laughs) They love it. So they've just been
6: perverted since their whole
5: existence. Well, I mean, it's a cultural
1: thing. I mean, uh, the octopus is a major part of
6: Japanese culture. And sexual experience. In fact, I've learned that when you become a man over there, you must mate with an octopus.
1: Do you not know of of the the ritual ceremony where the young girl wanders to the tide pool and opens herself up to the tide so that an octopus may find its way
6: inside? Is it red tide? Because it (laughs) It will be be when she's done.
5: (laughs) Okay, how about some fact? Did you know the reason (laughs) why they created the tentacle monster? No. It's so that they could get around um, the censorship, the censorship laws. Yeah, because you know how in Japan, all regular pornography is censored. Yes. Well, if it's not a real human bit, then they don't need to censor it. Oh, Uh, okay.
1: Well, you were saying that there was something before La Blue Girl. I saw La Blue Girl on... On uh, yeah. uh, a bootleg VHS co- in high school, probably. Awesome. All I, p- I all probably I, passed those around, actually. All I really remember is that her pubic hair turned into a bunch of golden needles and shot into someone's eye. Oh,
6: she, yeah, that's one of her moves. She's like, strong as steel! And they turn into little spikes and shoot at someone. That
5: it definitely... definitely-
1: Blew my mind more than anything else in there. That was the most unexpected thing that happened.
5: <laughs> it was also um, the age before they knew how to animate rough sex. So all like rape scenes were still very casual and traditional.
1: Huh. I, I'm not even really sure I can piece the, all that together in my brain, but... <laughs> So, so, tell me about this first thing.
5: Orozco Doji. Orozco
1: Doji? Is that
5: live action or animated? <laughs> Anime.
6: Did they make a live action? I know they made a live yes, action La Blue Girl.
5: Yes. Oh, no, maybe that's right then. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I, I, I'm not sure if they made a live action Orozco Doji, but Orozco Doji is four parts, I want to say, and each of them are like an hour long, and they're very, very story-based hentai. believe it or not, and there are like... Giant monsters and like demon penises that attach to humans and <laughs> you get the demon aids and turn into a, a monster
6: <laughs> Oh, man, you got the demon aids, son. Yeah. How, how long ago was that made?
5: I want to say it was an 80s anime probably yeah. an 80s uh, like like we said it was one of the first tentacle hentai's ever released Yeah, Wow. it's a specialized
1: oh thing What I think is interesting about the, the macrophilia thing is that to someone who's really into it I'm sure it's not particularly funny, but it's mostly funny
5: Yeah. I want to to say generally, if you have a fetish, you realize it is bizarre and weird because thanks to Japan, I have a lot of fetishes now. Um, (laughs) Macrophilia not being one of them. (laughs) I might. (laughs) No, just kidding. No, yeah. Neither of us are macrophiliacs. Anyway, yeah, I think you do have a realization of this is weird, but I don't care. I like it anyway. This is my fetish.
1: Being weird, fine. You know, we all got those. But I think macrophilia more than most Is just pretty funny If you put a building in your butthole,
6: that's funny <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to be giant to try- start doing that Just go up to any like bank or like building on the corner Just try to shove some of it in your butt And just just keep going until you can get as much in po- as possible And just see what happens Because shit's going to get real And it's going to be hilarious This is a nerdy show, this we condone this This is not a formal We condone this it, we, This is not advice This is how. What is that thing so that when is, they protest against wall street this This is is how they should have done it this is not a call to action this is how they should have done it start putting wall street in their butt that would have had way better results and i think the pepper spray would have burned a lot more in certain crevices whatever they're still gonna have to clean the poop off the bricks at the end of the day so you still win wall street's gonna smell like poopy anyhow what, has <laughs> happened? what is happening here i uh, know i'm bringing up some pictures of macrophilia and then I, the,
1: the other into it is that maybe you want somebody to be giant so you can be normal size but also be small
5: did you know i i read this somewhere i forget where i think it was on a cracked article uh, apparently the parts that they cut out in the new age version of these stories but gulliver's travel is both sides of these stories
1: really yeah there's a An opposite to the Lilliputian world, yeah. And
5: they both have sexual content in them. Hmm. I'm
1: interested in that. I'm interested in reading
6: ye old macrophilia. I
5: need to point out,
6: I need to point out because I just searched online for a bunch of macrophilia pictures. There's a lot of really giant men doing stuff with a lot of really tiny men. (laughs) And that's really all the images I'm getting right now. (laughs) I don't see buildings going in people. I see a man sitting on a building with a man sitting on his dong. No, if no, that's no, macrophilia, no. I'm not down. It's a, it's a lady. <laughs> I'm not really
1: down it's with It's a that. lady lying back on a train. Uh, she's gigantic. She's lying in the countryside but with some train tracks between her legs, waiting for a train. That's yeah. macrophilia. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, it's both kinds. But hey, Brandon, your search specifications—they know what you want. Apparent? No. In, give into no. it. Nope.
8: Okay. Anyway, <laughs> are these
1: giant monsters? Well, I guess it depends on what they're doing. Any abomination, you know, anything that is not average human is truly a monster. Did you know that Frankenstein fought giant monsters in Japanese cinema? Um, no. I want to say
5: yes, but I don't remember anything specifically. These were Toho films
1: in coordination with UPC in America. It's a giant Frankenstein and a a giant monster. I haven't seen these things. I've only seen some posters. There's some articles I touched on but didn't really get too in-depth on when I was reading up on this. And in a lot of ways, you know, the rubber suit giant monsters, they're neat. They can do a lot of stuff, you know, technically speaking. It's easy to conceal places where explosions can come out and all that. But something is a bit more disturbing when it's actually just a a human-y thing, you know?
5: Yeah, that's interesting because that brings up the kind of show like Ultraman, which that was a TV show and then Toho Company actually did some Ultraman movies for those as well. And and what Ultraman is, is is just a guy in a suit, you know, an alien suit that allows him to grow to giant sizes to fight monsters yeah and, and Ultraman is a staple in the Kaiju world because well I don't know if you want to get into this now but he's one of the first defenders
1: yeah well I mean it's only right that at some point we touch on the natural enemies of giant monsters which would be the Ultramans the Super
6: Sentai's and apparently Frankenstein as I'm looking at these
5: images that are creeping <laughs> yeah. me teenagers the with attitude
6: <laughs> five teenagers with attitude obviously they are just like fire
1: ants those teenagers with attitude <laughs> Giant monsters trying to have a picnic, bunch of teenagers
6: with attitude, get on all their food. Um, sugar, spice, everything nice. Also, main ingredients to fight oh, yeah. monsters. What are Chemical you- X. <laughs> what, are, what are you Powerpuff talking about? Come on, Powerpuff dude. Girls, get with it. Do I have to spell it out for you? I, um, I didn't grow up with cable television. Man, I didn't grow up with Powerpuff Girls. I was like in my teens watching that and shit. I didn't
5: watch it. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, there's a new series coming out of it now, so.
6: What? There was an anime series they made of it too.
5: Yep, Powerpuff Girls Z.
6: <laughs> These guys are professionals. Yeah. <laughs> so Frankenstein looks like a giant caveman, and it's actually really creepy to see a gigantic man tear open the face of something that kind of looks like Godzilla, but it's kind of a ripoff, so it's not Godzilla. It's really <laughs> creepy looking, actually. He doesn't look like Frankenstein, just like a Neanderthal man. I, I imagine that- Godzilla. <laughs> based on the poster I saw, I, I imagine
1: this being actually a lot more like the Francesco Goya painting, like just the disturbing image of- can you imagine me, a little kid waking up at night- and looking out over the over the countryside and seeing a giant man lumbering through the mists of nightfall.
7: That doesn't
5: sound well, crap. <laughs> actually there is a brand new anime called Attack on Titan. Uh-huh. And it's about that. There there's these um, <laughs> human, but there's a race of Titans, they're giant people, and all normal humans have are living like for hundred years they've been living in these giant walled cities that are like hundred meters high. To keep all the titans out. Wow, that sounds. Really cool. It's a brand new series, and yeah. it's actually really good. Yeah, the the first episode was actually really terrifying. Like they, the sense of chaos that they created, and the sense of mortality. And the sense of fear was all very real, and it's really, really well written. It yeah. was scary. The sense of what would happen if a giant person who's really evil just walked through your town and destroyed it. Yeah, the way they, the way they described the Titans was uh, they didn't hunt the humans for food source, but more for pleasure. Like, they look like they enjoy it when they kill people and eat them. Wow. Yeah,
1: it's pretty terrifying. That sounds awesome. So has that been translated, or is that... How, do you, how, do you, how would Fansense. I watch this? we
5: we have our websites where we get all of our cool stuff from that that's where we get like all of our review material yeah and for anybody out there who doesn't agree with that if we like it enough we will buy the dvds of it afterwards (laughs)
1: it's just want to make that clear those are similar rules that i live by when it comes to import stuff that is not making it convenient for me to appreciate it in in the way Mm. common
6: to a capitalistic (laughs) society nerdy shows official stance is we only download things we already own (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because yeah. we can
6: so apparently there's this thing called Chojin Sentai Jetman and uh-huh. I don't know if it's a show or what but it features giant monsters based more on traffic lights, faucets, and tomatoes it says, yeah, so on yeah. weird like
5: objects instead of just gigantic I, monsters I
1: too read that entry and I really want to know about that, do you guys know anything about that?
5: no, I don't, it actually sounds like a lot like modern day, like they modernized yokai, and if you don't know what yokai is it's it's like um, ghosts that can take over materials, kind of like... Um, yeah, like the Paper Lantern monsters and the Umbrella monsters and stuff like that. It sounds yeah. kind of
6: like Sailor Moon problems. It looks like Power Rangers <laughs> is what this show looks like.
5: Yeah. Okay. Um, I have heard of it, but uh, I don't know too much about it. It's Power Rangers
1: fighting giant sink monsters.
6: It's pretty funny, actually.
1: <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of alternative giant monsters and historical giant monsters and stuff like that, how about some of the original giant monsters that we failed to mention? Sea monsters. And when we get back, we'll be talking with Simon Strange and Matt Frank. This is a song called Sea Monsters by Captain Dan and the Scurvy Crew from their record Rhymes of the Hip Hop Mariners.
11: Yeah, your story is- Monsters in the waters and this couch of horrific man slaughter, sailors tell tales of beasts on the sea, what they don't tell ya is that the worst one is me. Yeah, hear stories of monsters in the waters and this couch of horrific man slaughter, sailors tell tales of beasts on the sea, what they don't tell ya is that the
2: worst one is me. What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we do with sea monsters. We're gonna kill him and grill em. we be the nautical monsters. What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters. monsters? We're gonna kill him and grill em. we be the nautical the monsters. Bitch, smacking the crackin', and on his flesh we be snackin'. Mm-hmm. The pepper we packin'''''''s enough to burn up and blackin'. The sea monsters be a meal I agree. Chum in the breeze just fills me with glee. We hunt off the keys, harpoons off the beam. We live off the stream and eat off the ski. A fish for me party, this is my favorite for me herpes. water safari, giant squid, calamari, Leviathan, chowder, and monster crab cakes are guns filled with powder, go no up-surfing snakes. Herbie mates be the bait, there will be no debate. Throw them over with weights, and then the bites we await. To fish giant sturgeons, we use the fair virgins. They always be yearning for fresh meat submerged. Great whites never put up a great fight. They might, if me crew hadn't taken a bite by the night. That's right, what we're gonna do with what we gonna do with sea monsters. What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? We're gonna kill them and grill them, we be the nautical monsters. What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? With sea monsters I kill him and grill him We beat them not monsters. good I bitch-lap Leviathan
11: In his chin Wipe off his smug little grin Send him for a spin Back to where he's been He tried to win But his dial is thin Like the Kraken Who I tore limb from limb From limb from limb On the rim Snapped him like a slim jim Much to his chagrin What a has-been Chase his blood with gin Sea monsters Just can't win I've made giant squid endangered species Skyla, please I killed her with these Sea monsters freeze When they see me on the seas. When it comes to slaying them, I've got the expertise. on the greatest terror in all the ocean. Move over to your this is your demotion. I skin the yakumama and it into lotion. My rhymes keep the ocean in motion. What
2: we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? We're gonna kill them and grill them. We to good what we gonna do with sea monsters What we gonna do with sea monsters What we gonna do with sea monsters? We kill them and grill them, we beat them not to good monsters. You hear stories of monsters in the waters,
11: and this counts of horrific man Sailors tell tales of beasts on the sea, what they don't tell ya. Is that the worst one is me? You hear stories of monsters in the waters, and this counts of horrific man Sailors tell tales of beasts on the sea, what they don't tell you. Is that
2: the worst one is me? What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea Monsters. What we gonna do with sea monsters. We gonna kill him and grill We be the nautical monsters. What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? What we gonna do with sea monsters? We gonna kill him and grill em. We be the nautical monsters. They ain't rules.
1: And now back to a very special episode of How I Met Your Mothra.
4: Oh, man, I've never drunk so much soda in my life. What, really? Yeah, my mom says one can a day or my thanks will rot out. (laughs) Well, you've already passed the initiation, Gigan. You've been doing pretty
3: good. Yeah, dude, those hook arms really came in handy when you clawed over that fence.
4: Yeah, I thought that Angurius was going to take a bite out of my butt for sure. (laughs) I thought you could float. Well, I can't uh, really do it when I'm that nervous, though. <laughs> Are you nervous now, Gagan? Uh, a l- little, I guess. I know it could take the edge off. A marijuana cigarette. Oh, gosh. I, I-, I-, I don't know. Oh, come on, Gigan. Don't be a chicken. Yeah, I snuck them from my brother's college, buddy. He says it's the best weed around. It'll get you so high.
3: <laughs> come on, Gigan. Smoke a little weed, man. Can't be a green ranger if you don't smoke weed. I, uh, I, um.
1: What will Gigan do? Turn to page 7 of your activity book to write what you would do if you were Gigan. With us on the phone, we've got Simon Strange, the head of Sunstone Games, and Matt Frank, fan favorite Godzilla artist working on IDW's Godzilla Comics and also the character design for Kaiju Combat.
12: Hello, thanks for having us,
1: Cap. Gentlemen, Kaiju Combat is something that I've been hearing about for a very long time, and it's all coming together. It's a giant monsters fighting game in the style of basically everybody's favorite giant monster fighting games.
8: Yes, that's that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that sums it up pretty well, I think.
7: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Simon, you developed some of the original Godzilla games that everybody knows and loves, like uh, Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee, Save the Earth, Unleashed. I was wondering how this independent project that you're you know, you started from the ground up came to be.
12: Well, let's see, it actually it started about one year ago. Basically, uh Matt and I started talking about what it would take to, to do a new Godzilla game. I mean, all the time people yeah. are saying, right, is there going to be another Godzilla game, a fourth Godzilla game? You do a, a search for fourth Godzilla game or YouTube videos. When's there going to be a fourth Godzilla game? And I just come back from uh, GDC in March, and I really had this feeling that there was money out there. That was that was the big uh, impression I got out of GDC. Everywhere I went, people were talking about Double Fine, getting all this money from Kickstarter, and I was like... Maybe I could get enough money to license the engine and make the game. And I'm like, how cheaply could I make that game? Because, you know, I've made this game four or five times already. Right? <laughs>
7: yeah.
12: And I was like, I think I know exactly how to do it. And I think I, I have all the people. And I know exactly how to put it all together really cheaply. And I sort of came up with a number and I went to Kickstarter. And, you know, I, I got Matt on board and sort of talked about it. It was unclear if, in the early stages exactly what his role would be or how big a, a role he would have. Uh, but we kind of got that number. We went to Kickstarter. And we tried and we failed.
7: Um, <laughs> yeah.
12: We didn't do enough press. Uh, my timing was bad. I, I started right before July 4th weekend. Uh, we didn't, didn't really have any sort of community built up ahead of time or anything. And I was just, you know, excited yeah. to get the money.
8: I didn't have any time to put any art together or really much of anything. And it was... Funny, because both Kickstarters, which we'll get to the second one, of course, but both Kickstarters went live right when I went on a big trip. So, first time, of course, is when I was at G-Fest in Chicago, which is the big giant monster convention. So, we failed, didn't get our money. We got,
12: I think we raised $35,000, which the way Kickstarter works is we actually, you know collect zero, right? So uh, we had no money, but we had this idea, right? And now we had a a list of a few hundred people who were interested in the project, but we couldn't just move forward with nothing. So then we kind of reached out and said, all right, well, some of you had said you were willing to pay $500 to get your monsters developed. So I was like, well, are any of you willing to just give us that money up front, even with no guarantee that we'll make the game? And we we got seven people. Uh, We were going to go for six, but then we we upped it to seven. We got seven people. And so we took that $3,500 And we used it to register com, and we bought some forum software and we started building our community. And we spent about four and a half months building our community and getting our first seven original monster concepts designed up. And we got our a design wiki up and running, and we sort of really established our community.
8: Part of the advantage of uh, of having the Kickstarter and going live during G-Fest and drumming up some interest is that some of our collaborators, some of our people who uh, contributed their $500 actually came out of G-Fest. The creator of uh, Mora Titan, my personal favorite monster, he was only 11, I think, when he huh. Pitched the monster idea to me at my table at GFest, and I was like, "That's awesome! Email <laughs> <laughs> me, and we need to make this happen. Quick, try to figure out." I remember he was just—he—he he was standing there at my table with his—with his mother and father, basically begging, like. Mom, Dad, uh, don't we have all don't we have like money you were setting aside for me or something?
7: <laughs>
8: it, it was
1: awesome. Oh, that's that that's cool. Awesome. I mean, Mora Titan, uh, you guys have a, a page that we'll link on this episode's page that's just it's all the the monsters that are going into kaiju combat, and Mora Titan is insane. It's a
6: coral reef with a giant mora eel coming out the top of it It's like are you saying wait? he was 11 years old when he came up with this?
8: I think he's 12 now, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's, definitely, he's definitely 12 now. I mean, this yeah, was ago. It's just awesome that this, this kid just came up to me and he just says, uh, I've got this idea for a monster. And, you know, it, it is a, a kind of a trend with most uh, younger fans that they are monster fans. And so normally they kind of want to emulate monsters that they've seen in movies. So it'll right. be a variation on Godzilla or a variation on Gamera or something. But no, he just had this wild, cool, original idea. And I was just like, that is so
5: awesome. We just need to use that. I agree. That is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. (laughs) That's awesome.
12: We spent a few hours on the phone with him talking about it, you know, fleshing out the design, coming up with a name and so forth. And let me tell you, this kid knows way more about marine biology and ecology than I have ever known. <laughs>
6: wow. Uh, so, uh, That's awesome. I can't wait to see what he does. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> He's essentially going uh, to create monsters for real, I think, at some point when he gets older and goes to college. <laughs>
12: He's been
7: like, let me see what I can
12: do with these sea creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so we had our you know, $3,500 and basically used that as money to kind of get the concept art together and the, and the wiki and, and really build up our community. So then when we launched the second Kickstarter in November, we were able to immediately point people to forums. And so I think we had 400 registered and active members on the forums when we started the second Kickstarter, all right? Mm-hmm. And then we went live. And I think we had 4,000 members within two weeks. Um, nice. Yeah, so we, we just exploded. And we have uh, an incredibly large number of people. We're at uh, whatever 2,500 discussion threads and almost 100,000 messages on the forums. And those have only been live six months. So wow. it's pretty busy. I try to keep up with everything that goes on there, but it is uh, overwhelming some days. Anyway, so we built up a community and. We made our our funding target on the the Kickstarter the second time around. And so we started then getting new collaborations with characters on their monsters. uh, And we started doing our our votes on different systems of the game, people deciding how it's going to be and so forth, and really just trying to build the community. And so now we have a whole lot of projects. It's not just the Kaiju combat video game and more, there's also all these other sort of like secondary and tertiary things that are going on, just trying to build that community and get everyone as excited as possible.
1: Man, that's really cool. Now, just so for everybody out there to like, get a grip on what exactly Kaiju combat is, as I understand it, Ah. it's a giant monster fighting game. You two giant monsters face off and up to four. four. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Buildings are destroyed. Terrains are leveled and it is a constantly expanding game.
12: Yes. yes. Uh, well, I, I, will, I will pull back a little bit. We okay. are not destroying the terrain. We, okay. we have destructible objects and, and buildings and boulders and, and stuff like that. And there's going to be a lot of destruction, but not terrain deformation. Okay. Uh, that's a little a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so one of the clever ideas of this, well, as we were talking about before we started recording the show, is everyone wants to see Godzilla versus Gamera. Right Right. or King Kong versus Cthulhu, like you know, everyone wants to do this sort of thing, but the licensing on that is just a nightmare. It's (laughs) it's basically impossible. But I was thinking, well, you know, you can do this in Legos, right? Because there are there are Batman Lego sets They have Batman and Mm. Joker and so forth, and then you've got Star Wars Legos, right? We got C three PO and Darth Vader and so forth. Well, I can buy those two sets and do Batman versus Darth Vader by building it all out of Legos. Because those are two separate products, but they just happen to be built out of exactly the same thing. Like Everyone knows that all Lego pieces can be combined, right? Right. And so Lego is a brand, and then there's Batman and there's Star Wars. And so those are three different brands, and by combining it all together, you get this crossover that you want. So that's my idea with Kaiju Combat, is establish Kaiju Combat as a brand. And then we make a game that features Godzilla. And that game's not called Kaiju Combat, it's called, you know... Godzilla kicks everyone's butt or, you know, whatever. But right. that's the thing. And it's cool. part of the Kaiju Combat brand. Nice. And we have a completely separate game, which is, you know, Cthulhu, you know, eats a sandwich or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's also part of the Kaiju Combat brand. Uh, and then if you buy both of those games, you have all the assets and resources, and they're all built in exactly the same platform with the same controls, just the way those Lego pieces are. So you can take those home, get them on your local PC, and you can just mix all the assets So no, no individual release would ever cross those IP lines where, you know, we're selling them individually, people who are getting royalties. It's all very clear and and well delineated, Uh but on, you know, within the privacy of your own home, you can just take those asset folders and you can load them in whatever you want. That's awesome. I mean, that's a,
1: yeah, that's a very exciting idea. I mean, of course I'd be worried about something like, for example, Beatles rock band. The caveat was you can make a Beatles rock band game, but it cannot cross over with the other rock band games.
12: Right. Yeah. Well, and so, and that this is an important legal distinction. We would never cross over the games.
9: Hmm.
12: But if people want to do that at home themselves. Interesting. That might just all work perfectly, and and you could, uh, for
1: example, host a four player multiplayer featuring these characters privately on your own server or whatever, and no one. In
12: fact, you even do it publicly because if I have added a, a resource folder to my, you know, Cthulhu eats a sandwich, right? Right. And if I've added in some other resources and loaded up, and then I play with you online, uh, you will see the resources that I've loaded. Because I've just loaded it as part of this game that we're all playing.
5: Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, isn't that it's kind of in the same sense that you know how in Skyrim people made a My Little Pony mod? No nobody can do anything about making a My Little Pony mod for Skyrim, <laughs> you know, you just have it in there.
12: Huh? Exactly. Yep. But if you if you tried to say we have My Little Pony content and sell it, that would absolutely not be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep.
6: Are you hinting that you might have My Little Pony content then? <laughs> <laughs>
12: So Absolutely, I'm gonna fight to make the
8: same <laughs> You mean that I can't play as Discord and fight Gamera? <laughs> Simon, we're gonna have to talk about this because I think this is a I think this is a market that we're not fully
5: realizing here. Yeah, um, it's true. Yes.
7: <laughs> I pay a wow. thousand for that.
5: Discord versus Godzilla. Man. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh,
1: anyway, like if before, we, before we fall down that deep rabbit hole, let's talk about this this roster here on this monsters page. You got what's labeled as Kaiju Land monsters. And then yes. also Kaiju Combat, The Fall of Nemesis. And then yep. below that, another roster of monsters altogether. Uh, what exactly do these things represent?
12: Okay. As we said, we're going to have all these different releases for Kaiju Combat. Ideally, once we get this first one out of the way, I'd like to do three releases a year. I think that's not awesome. uh, unreasonable. Uh, but we're going to launch with two releases. And so all these monsters were in one big list for a while, but we just had our roster vote about a month ago. Or we selected, you know, which... You know, which 11 are going to be part of the first commercial game, which is called The Fall of Nemesis. Okay. Okay. And so now we know those 11. So that's what these 11 here are. Uh, The ones down below. So the the top ones are the Kaiju Land. That's our free release. So those four monsters are going to be available for free. Uh, That's a little game. Anyone can just buy off Steam for free. And you can play those four monsters. And you can play them against any other monster in any other release that we ever have. Okay. So you for you for free can sit down and you can only use those four monsters, but you can play games against any you know in any city with against any monster of anyone who ever has bought any paid content in this game.
2: Yeah. Uh, and as but, a
8: little bit of a little bit of background for the Kaiju Land monsters themselves, uh, they are actually from a, a separate franchise that we <laughs> partnership with uh, called Kaiju Land, and it's sort of a, it was sort of a casual browser Facebook based game. That is on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but they're they're going to they're going to come back sometime soon. But in order to they wanted us to, you know, have those monsters, basically, so we can kind of keep them out, make keep them public and continue to um, help out the brand, you know, things like that. Right. OK. Well,
12: yeah. And We wanted to show from right out of the gate how you have multiple releases and how they can sort of be combined. Because that's, that's a big selling point, right? right? And you don't want to wait for the second game. So we're splitting our content basically into these two pieces so that everyone can see how that works right out, right out of the gate. Um, yep. Anyway, so on this list now, you'll see there's this second list starting with Uragora going down to uh, Grim Garl is the most recent. Although perhaps by the time this uh, was released, there'll be more. But that is just going to mm-hmm. keep expanding. We're going to have 50 monsters in that list. And so when we get ready to start on our next release of original monsters, we're going to have another vote from everyone in the community and say like, okay, we're going to do 12 more monsters and here's this list of 50. Pick your favorite 12, send in your votes to me. So that's a, a, we do a whole lot of community outreach, community involvement. Voting on the roster is a huge, big draw for a lot of people.
1: That's, that's really cool. Now these, are these community created uh, monsters like the uh, original seven or... Um,
12: Yes, all all the monsters, so not the Kaiju Land monsters, because those are licensed, but everything else is a collaboration between Matt, myself, and one member of the community. And so right now, the people we're doing those collaborations with, we have a lot. I mean, Matt and I are constantly doing these collaborations. collaborations. Uh, Initially, these were people who donated to the Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. Once we get done with them, we're going to have another method by which we're sort of selecting people one by one to do these collaborations with to keep the roster growing. Uh, Actually, the vote that is going on today in the forums is about what that process will be once we're done with the initial uh, paid contributors. We're not only letting people collaborate with us, we're letting them vote on how we select the people that will collaborate with us. It's all very meta. (laughs)
1: this is a really cool way to set something up i mean obviously the giant monster community has come out in force to make this a
8: possibility which is really just fantastic Mm -hmm. and that definitely bespeaks the uh the passion of this fandom and how it's really one of those things that you know in in the context of other nerddoms you really wouldn't think that that giant monsters would have their own dedicated fan base But, you know, it's hard to see why it wouldn't. Actually, if I may uh, speak to, so part
12: of the reason of doing this is a lot of people think this is great and this is us just being really nice to our fans. But actually, I'll tell you, it's a little more selfish than that, because having worked on the the three Godzilla titles from Atari, I will tell you, I get so much hate mail. What? And so much (laughs) people... Oh, yeah. People writing in being like, how come Godzilla's eyes don't look properly like the suit from this one? And his toes look like the 73 suit, but his tail has the texture that was only in the use in the 82 suit. So what are you doing? You're an idiot. Oh, (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's Uh. so much or like, oh, people are like, oh, when Godzilla charges his breath, his arms sit at his side in an angle that's wrong compared to, you know. (laughs) It's oh my god. Or oh, people like, how come yeah. this monster wasn't considered? When was this monster considered? I saw concept art for this level, why was it cut? All that stuff is such a it's such a headache. And it's it's hard to explain, you know, the the process and things come in and things go out. So actually assigning all of those decisions to be voted on by the community is a great weight off my shoulders. <laughs> so if anything yeah,
6: I, anything goes wrong, you don't have to take the blame for it right? at all. It was, how come like, this community? monster's
12: in the game? I'm like, because that's what the f- people voted for. Right?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. I'm sleeping easily. <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, like, the community is definitely not wrong in the monsters that they're painting, because I'm going through, like, these lists. I went through a couple days ago, I was looking at the concepts, and they're amazing. Like, I can already pick out my favorite monster. You know, I, I think his name was Heart Eater. Actually, yes. you know what's cool sure, about yeah. Heart
1: Eater? Heart Eater was a monster that was pitched by Big Bad Shadow Man, one of our frequent c- contributors, and one of the guys who sponsored this episode. So,
12: <laughs> ah. That's I a mean, yes. full circle. Yes, I think all of us think Heart Eater is our favorite. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great great, actually Uh, actually let me again slightly correct though is that heart eater is female Uh, this is another another thing uh, that Matt and I are both pretty down with is we're making we're trying as best we can obviously we're working with other people we're trying to make a full 50% of our original monster concepts female
3: nice and Uh, balanced
12: cool so there's a lot of uh yeah, there's a lot of that going on.
8: I think it should be fairly easy to sit there and consider monsters to be intrinsically male without there having to be some kind of qualifier. And I think it speaks some, some interesting social patterns to see how people react to certain monsters being female, certain monsters being male, because a lot of our female monsters. Do not look female, right, or right, what yeah. one would consider traditionally feminine,
12: or they're not sexy. <laughs> that, Our leader so is, is not but, sexy, except in sort of the way that like a giant gun is sexy.
8: Right?
12: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're all boner
12: killers. Yeah.
8: Um, oh, hey, Simon, write that down. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, when you really think about it, though, you think about some of the most powerful monsters in, or some of those famous monsters in kaiju lore, a lot, of, a lot of the most famous ones, the most powerful ones, are female. You know, Mothra, who's bested Godzilla over and over again. Gauss, who's considered Gamera's ultimate em- enemy, mm-hmm. is uh, biologically female. Mm. Um, the giant queen Legion, who's also defeated Gamera, uh, al- almost killed Gamera. Well, granted, granted, he almost gets killed in every movie, so yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That is,
1: but anyway. <laughs> G- Gamer's a tough little yep. guy, but he really he really likes to get beat up. <laughs> All right. It's called
8: dramatic tension. Echo-
1: echoing um what what they said earlier, like the designs are really the diversity of these monsters are kind of insane. I mean, um there's stuff I've never ever remotely considered before and Tons I've never seen before.
12: Are you looking at Gandhava right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, which which one's that? Gandhava is the uh, the two torsos fused together and turned backwards at the waist. Oh, please click on that cap. A- and uh, yeah, and one half is like this giant blue Indian golem and oh, the other yeah. half is like two giant Gatling guns, and it yeah. floats in the air. <laughs> does, it, does it float in the air by propulsion of the Gatling guns? <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's just magic. It just floats, and so, but it, it does this torso flip, where it's like, you know, oh, I have hands, I flip. Oh, I have Gatling guns, oh, oh, okay. I have
6: hands. So that's going to be yeah. kind of like a gameplay uh, gimmick for him, is that you can turn him upside down and use that, and then turn him again and use his hands, kind Man. of. Right. That's you hit cool. him with an
12: uppercut, and he flips over backwards, and suddenly he's facing you again. That's
6: one of
1: the, one of the bottom of the list currently is a grim garl. And it's a, it's a giant undead alligator, which is possessed by two rival voodoo spirits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
7: Right. Love
12: because, it. because three would be silly. <laughs> yeah.
6: I would like to see a movie about any of these monsters. Really? I, I would like to see how the plot it's, unfolds. It's like
12: these, these creatures are
1: definitely breaking every preconceived notion of what a giant monster
8: like genre thing can be. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's, which no, but- is awesome. It's funny you should mention that because, um, as another interjection, uh, we actually were starting to get some blowback because of that. Hmm. Like after a few a few monsters in a row were a little too weird, and we actually started getting some complaints that these monsters are. We actually had people. Simon, what did they say? They were saying like well, they, these they hated. We had
12: like two or three in a row that had technology on them, oh and they're like, "Oh, it's all cyborgs. It's just all cyborgs. What you, you can't do anything except make them cyborgs." And we're like, <laughs>
8: "Okay." I, remember, I, just, I just remember one one person saying one or two, several people actually saying that these monsters are too unique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so hey guys you're being
6: you're being too creative can you tone it down a bit Thank yes you.
8: that's what they said they wanted they wanted us to one person actually said like can't you just give us like a two-headed dinosaur or something and it's yeah. like <laughs> okay great guys i mean that was actually one of the reasons why we um were so happy to get uh Naga out who's our giant reptilian samurai monster and then, and then, uh, people were really excited. They're like, wow, this is awesome! It's a very traditional styled, you know, uh, 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 reptile monster, you know, like Godzilla. And 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 we were like, oh, okay, well, we put out that fire. And then we had people coming and <laughs> saying, like, uh, oh, so it's another bipedal lizard monster. God. This is so good <laughs> you
12: people wow. <laughs> yep
1: uh first world problems huh
12: <laughs> yes well no. i was also really pleased uh one of our one of our monsters got our, our best strongest reaction is we did a, an irish guardian monster yeah and, uh, let me tell you like you know I, I don't think about this much but we put out this irish monster and like people just going nuts they're like i'm irish and like i'm irish too and like oh you are and, and like Apparently, <laughs> apparently it's a, it's a, a void that needed to be filled. <laughs> <laughs> really- they're just really
1: they're really upset about the bad rap they were getting from BioShock Infinite.
12: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. A big druidic mound that's also a giant monster. I mean, I I never it never it never crossed my mind really. It's I never thought normal- normally could, do that, yeah. I never thought you you could take the giant monster genre and make it as Diverse is just about anything.
8: Yeah. They don't all have to be cold-blooded, right? Well, that's one of the things that I think people don't really give the giant monster genre enough credit for. Is that this is actually a really pretty crazy. Like, if you even if you just look at like Ultraman, there's such a crazy and wild diversity of concepts and just stuff you can make into monsters. I mean, there are certain facets that you want to try to adhere to, so that you know, otherwise it'll get too far away from being a monster like for example we're trying to avoid just straight up dragon monsters because there's a there's a thin line that crosses between just being a dragon and being a dragon monster you know like King Ghidorah is very obviously a dragon but it's this big crazy thing with no arms and three heads and it's still has that very kaiju feel to it right so we're we're glad that that's coming across the whole idea
12: Absolutely. Sure. Well, I really I really like the the gameplay and having made mm-hmm. several different fighting games like my number one favorite thing in fighting games is having a, a cast that they all play totally differently, right? Mm-hmm. So like the technique that I use against opponent A, I go against B and it just doesn't work. It's like, no, they just, you know, they absorb that you have to use this other technique, which wouldn't have worked well against A, but that's, that's what you do against B, right? And so when you, when you have a system like that that's really uh, orthogonal and robust, then every time new characters get added, that means whole new, like, techniques and, and different sorts of matchups you get to try, which I don't want to harp on c- certain games. But there are certain fighting games where, like, you know, when you play <laughs> as a character, like, there's a few sequences that you need to learn and master, right? Right. And then no matter who you face, you just do those same two or three things, Right, yeah. and you just like keep doing those same two or three things. So, like learning a character is just about that. I really like a game where learning a character means I need to know my strengths and weaknesses, so I know how to respond to your strengths and weaknesses in a unique way.
1: That's one of the reasons so. that I like Smash Brothers so much as a fighting game because the control scheme is the same for every single character, but what you do with those control schemes are so nuanced that that's where the yes. decision making comes into play.
12: No, that's that's very much the system that I that I've tried to use in all of my, all of my fighting games in the past. So that's that's an excellent example. Well done. <laughs> awesome.
6: <laughs> gold star. Do you, do you guys? I was because just I'm... gonna say gold star.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's high time we had a musical interlude. So here's something short and sweet. This is Mothra's song or Mosura no Uta, sung by the Peanuts from the 1964 Godzilla vs. Mothra. The song was composed by Uji Koseki and the scores by Akira
3: Ifukube.
4: don't you?
6: Because I'm very excited about this game, do you think you'll have some sort of system implemented once it's released to, say, uh, track players online and see perhaps who's the best fighter, who's gotten the most wins, things like that? So,
12: uh, yes and no. We... (laughs) Have we have all sorts of analytics, all right? Uh, I've done some mobile development where I've I've plugged into various analytic things, and I've seen the power of that. And there's a, a Zynga company that's that's here in Eugene. I have a lot of friends who work for there, and I understand the analytics. And I really we're going to have a lot of that going on. Mm-hmm. However, I do not want to certain kinds of things like certain kinds of achievements and certain kinds of and stat tracking push the community in a very specific direction and I want to make sure our community feels free to go in whatever direction they want. Okay. Uh, so specifically, I don't want people to say, oh, this monster is better than this monster. I, or I don't want people to say, oh, my my win record is higher than your win record. Like, that information might be there. You can go look it up. But I don't want to highlight that sort of thing. So you don't want to be, like, some giant competitive... Being competitive is is useful. And I think there's a time and place to be competitive. I don't want to push competition to the forefront. Like, if you're not playing this competitively, don't even bother picking it up. Like You don't
5: don't want to be the... Call of Duty crowd that makes it not fun anymore. That they play <laughs> to a, kill. Another good analogy. Don't don't just
12: use
6: one move over and over and over again and kill everyone. Yeah. Thanks.
12: <laughs> yes. Uh, so I used to play a lot of the Godzilla Save the Earth on Xbox Live.
7: Mm-hmm.
12: Um, had really really great netcode back in the day. So I didn't play a lot of other Xbox Live games. And so I'd see things I mean, like penny arcade characters, wherever people were making fun of how foul mouthed and rude and obnoxious people were on Xbox Live. <laughs> I pretty much never experienced that. Like. You know we're going through, we're playing these games, right? But I'll tell you, who won and lost basically didn't even matter, because it was like, hey, you're playing this Mothra, you like Mothra? Cool. Have yeah. you seen this movie? Like, I mean, <laughs> it was yeah. it was just like hanging out with people who like giant monsters. Yeah, and, uh, is- I did. One time, I, I jumped on, and someone was like, "All right, man, I'm gonna kick your ass," and I was like, and I just like paused, and I'm like, "Hi." My name's Simon. <laughs> where, where Where are you from? You know, kind of like, what? I'm not going to start playing the game until we kind of establish a rapport here, because otherwise I don't want to spend five minutes with you. So <laughs> um, and that was that was great. We we're trying really trying really hard to make the community, you know, feel good about everything. OK,
6: great, because I've been bashed so many times by eight year olds who just start slinging racial slurs at me and i'm just like what <laughs> i don't even know this person what's happening here and then they just you know murder me
8: well yes. uh, you know it, it was funny how i uh i hadn't really gotten into online shooting fighting style games until um fall of cybertron came out mm. and oh, uh, it, it was funny <laughs> how i was having a lot of fun with it except um i do remember one evening i was online and Man, just the amount of F bombs flying out of these voices that had not broken yet was, <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa! So this is what everybody's been talking about. Yeah. Holy man. I go to G Fest every year. You know, it's a really it's really indicative of the Kaiju, American Kaiju fan community at large. And everyone really is, there's a lot of camaraderie there because Kaiju, I think, as a concept, are very popular, but the diehard fans are kind of are stretched kind of far, uh, kind of few and far between. So when they when they're like, oh, wow, you're you're as into this as I am. I think there's an immediate desire to want to be friends. Yeah, it's a cult fandom kind of a thing. Yes, very much so. Maybe friendship really is magic. <laughs> Sorry, I had to try. I know you guys do it. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> this
6: guy's on board with it.
8: Oh, I know what's going on. We're going to that Kickstarter.
1: <laughs> what are some of the features that you guys are most excited about implementing in this game? If we haven't talked about them already, that is.
12: This has not actually been revealed to, to a community at large. Maybe maybe I'll do a little first reveal right oh, here on the podcast. Awesome. Please do. Uh, so the, the story mode for fall of nemesis is amazing <laughs> it's it's amazing so i mean here's here's the problem so i tried really hard to make great story mode in godzilla unleashed okay okay and it did not work mm. because uh I, I wanted to have all these decision points where you know you do things and it subtly influences how the game plays out in the future and how you know how things kind of develop right unfortunately when you're a giant monster and you're fighting things like what kind of decisions can you make Right, you mm-hmm. can do a like the classic Superman blunder and say like, oh, you know, let's see how much of the city you destroy or don't destroy, right? But that's not fun, right? <laughs> uh, okay. Or you can say, and so what I came up with is like, as I came up with a system where if you lost or didn't fight, that would change the way the monsters felt about you, and you could like actually befriend the alien invaders, right, or make friends with the rampaging mutants, or you know, whatever. You could you had these alliances, and you had independent alliances with these four different groups of monsters.
3: Right?
12: Okay. But the thing was, nobody wants to lose. And so I, I said that if you lost, well that just affects, you know, how they feel about you and you just move on through the story. But nobody understood that. Nobody wanted to lose. They would just restart, right? And so <laughs> no one ever saw any of the alternate paths because everyone would just insist on winning every fight. That's fascinating.
1: Like yeah. that's I've never heard of anyone attempting that ever. And that's yeah, really interesting to see how the world at large reacted to it.
12: Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> So, for this one, I, I really like, I want I to want, you know, give myself the same problem. How can we do it? How can we do it? So, the first thing is, we had to come up with some way that you could sort of like make a decision or do something that doesn't conflict with the, the goals of the player, right? Because the goals of the players, they want to kick ass and destroy stuff and beat monsters, right? So, we need to give them different ways of doing that. So, we came up with uh, this, uh, these, these four spirits called the Kaiju Jin. Okay? Mm-hmm. The kaiju jian represent the four essential elements of, of monsters. Okay? You've got uh, ferocity, agility, uh, fortitude, and power. Okay? Now, these mm-hmm. also happen, just by coincidence not, to correspond to our four attributes that we give each monster. Okay? And so, those attributes that you have for your monster are sort of like your alignment with each of these spirits. Okay? Now, these spirits, in between fights and so forth, they're sort of talking, and these spirits love to make monsters fight, okay? In fact, they may even sort of influence events to get monsters together to fight all the Mm. time, okay? And Mm -hmm. they're they're sort of the reason why all monsters are kind of about the same size, kind of balanced in terms of power, whatever, and they sort of throw together these tournaments, all right? So, the, the context of Fall of Nemesis is that there's a tournament, and... You, all these monsters that you've, you've thrown together uh, are all sort of like fighting and see who's going to be the new champion of the Kaiju Jin, all right? Now, the story starts with you see the final fight between Ikamajin and Nemesis, okay? And this is called the Fall of Nemesis, and Nemesis is beating Ikamajin. Ikamajin was the tournament champion from, you know, 100 years ago or previously whenever they were doing it, and now he's losing to Nemesis, Okay, so now Nemesis is the top champion, and so you have to play up and, and defeat Nemesis yourself, all right? Okay. So, you play through and you defeat Nemesis, now you're the champion of the Hydrogen. hooray, you win, right? So that's the end of the story. But now, when you play the game again, and you choose a new monster, now the boss is whoever you just last beat the game with. Really? <laughs> right? ah. And in fact... We're keeping track of who's winning and losing within your local machine, and whoever has won more is closer to the end of the boss spectrum, and whoever has won the least, that is the characters that you play as the least, are going to be up near the front.
1: Oh, that's really cool. That's pretty Oh my gosh, that's awesome.
12: Okay, so you keep playing, you keep playing, and it keeps modifying what's going on. But here's the thing, ready? Here's the information that has not been revealed yet.
8: Okay. I, my, my, my cheeks are <laughs> tight.
12: Let's go. Let's do this. We're not even halfway through the story. Because as you play through the game over and over and over and over and over, once you've made it so that everybody has been the champion, then the evil plot is revealed. <laughs> <laughs> I just blew my mind. So, so it turns out that Ikomajin did not appreciate being defeated by Nemesis so he, every time a new person becomes a champion, they get this, this big power boost from the, the kaiju jin, right? They make them tougher, faster, stronger, more, more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. But, so this power is being transferred between monsters. This is a, a classic thing you see in monster movies, right? You know, this monster will give their power to somebody else. This power gets transferred around, this, this power transfer thing. So Ika Meijin, uh evil genius, mad scientist that he is, he set this up so that every time power is transferred, a little bit gets siphoned off. <laughs> and so when you keep playing and keep changing who's, the, who's the, the, the winner of the tournament, all that power is getting siphoned off, right? Until mm-hmm. eventually, there's enough. And Ikemae can just reapply it to himself and turn himself into the tournament champion permanently, no matter who's winning or losing.
7: <laughs>
12: so now you have a new set of fights to go through and you get to fight the super powerful Eko Majin because he's stolen all the power that you should have been getting when you were winning all these fights before. So, ideally, like you sit down, you see the story, you play through the game. It takes like an hour, maybe two hours. You get through the game, you're like, yeah, yeah, I won, and you feel good, right? And then you play through the game over and over and over and over. Maybe two, three weeks later, you happen to win the game with the last character, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, new cutscene, and there's more fights going on. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I... <laughs> I already won this game, but there's what? There's this whole thing, and then you get through, and now here's the thing: that's not even the end of the story. Oh my god! <laughs> but,
8: but at twist.
12: <laughs> but, but, but I'm going to save. I'm going to save that for later.
5: Oh man! But, uh, <laughs> let
12: me tell you, because once you once you realize that you thought it was over, but it's not, then you're going to want to try to figure out what conditions you have to trigger in order to get to the next section of the story. Uh, but the whole thing is just, it's just this ongoing, you know, and everyone's experience is going to be totally different because depending on which characters you like to play as or don't like to play as, it's going to change who is more powerful or less powerful. Some people are going to get infused with fortitude and so they're going to be just like impossible to hurt. Some are going to have power or, or agility. As the Kaiju Jin spirits, they start sort of spreading their gifts around. It's going to be awesome.
6: It sounds like a hundred plus hours of gameplay before you get to the Seriously. final story.
12: <laughs> right but, but you don't want to make it you don't want to give someone a story you know you don't want to give someone a, a thousand page book and be like read this you yeah know, so that's you want to give them like a, a 200 page book and be like read that and they're like oh that was awesome you be like oh yeah there's eight more books in that series <laughs> that is right
6: yeah, yeah that is it's really sweet. cool you going for well you've gotten me super super excited about this game now
12: um, <laughs> yeah go to uh, sunstone.co you can buy the game right now
6: well, I was going to say is there any sort of time frame on when you're is when you're thinking of releasing it <laughs>
12: Expected, um, if everything maybe? lined up perfectly, it would be September or beginning of October of 2013. If everything but, goes know, perfectly. If everything goes perfectly. Realistically, we're looking to try to get the alpha out probably around this summer, June, July, uh, and then hopefully get into beta by August. And at that point, it's just a matter of time. But we have a whole lot of people who have signed up already for alpha and beta access. And so we will be having people playing this game, releasing videos and, and talking about it. So you'll, you'll be able to know when it's coming.
1: Excellent. That's really cool. Yeah, very cool. So, guys, something really unfortunate happened recently. Wizards of the Coast started some kind of legal action against you guys because they claim that they somehow have the word kaiju copywritten because of some product of theirs that has nothing to do with giant
12: monsters.
6: Ridiculous, yes.
12: So that is not exactly correct. It is a trademark dispute. Uh, Uh, So the difference is that copywriting is all about a specific thing, right? So I have this thing. You can't have this thing, too. Uh, Trademark is actually all about preventing people from doing something that's too similar, right? So if I have McDonald's, you can't open a restaurant called McDowell's and have exactly you know look exactly <laughs> like me because you're trying to take the goodwill that I've generated for my brand and you're trying to just take it on yourself even though you haven't proven yourself right okay. so that is that is the, the complaint they've lodged against us is that they have a game called Kaijudo which is about monsters that are fighting it's a it's a card game and they say that Kaiju Combat is too close to that the simple answer is that it is not too close to that
6: yeah i've uh, i've well, seen that and no it is definitely nothing like that well but the thing
5: is kaiju is a real word like that's a mm-hmm. japanese word right like, not not a title or anything like that it's a real yeah. word that people right. say it
8: literally translates to mysterious beast or yeah. unquantifiable creature or you know just something that exists outside of our whatever i can go on all day go ahead yep. <laughs> anyway so
12: thing is is that uh it, it is not you know, like we did not we did not choose kaiju combat because we're trying to Mooch off the goodwill that Kaijudo has earned Amongst some fans, like, obviously not, right? And right. in fact, in this particular action Like, you know, we have, we have Kaijudo combat stuff going back months and months So we can show, look, we've been using this name We've been doing business with this title For months before you even registered this trademark But here's the unfortunate reality How much money will it cost us In legal fees for a judge to rule that? Right I mean, uh, all, all of our legal counsel says Oh yeah, if you go to trial You, you will definitely win but how long will it take and how much will it cost? And can you afford to do it? That is our unfortunate reality is that we are we are looking into, you know, how much does it cost? Is there any way we can, you know, just keep our name? Is there any way we can make peace with the brand managers at Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro? How much will it cost us? And there's several different routes towards how we spend that money. So,
1: Right. That's very difficult. Yes.
12: It is super lame. Well, it, I'll tell you, it is... I just want to make more monsters you know yeah <laughs> i just yeah. want to make a game about making more monsters and i i feel really i feel really frustrated when i have to spend half my time during the weeks dealing with legal issues and you know contracts and like all this stuff and i'm like but i want to make the game that's that's what i was here for yeah.
6: Yeah. unfortunately that's just how this society works and everyone sees everyone over simple little things like that for no reason um, yep. But yeah, I, I've looked at Kaijudo, and it's like a Yu-Gi-Oh! thing, Cap, and it's terrible. Yeah. And I don't even... Even the show. I, it looks ridiculous. So... Well... <laughs> but, so they've got money to back it, so that's the whole point, I guess.
1: And actually, shortly after we recorded this interview, and just before E3, Simon and Wizards of the Coast were able to settle the disagreement, and now the game is called Colossal Kaiju Combat, a simple fix that everybody was mutually happy with. And we went to E3, we met up with Simon... And we played a rough version of kaiju combat and had a really great time. Be sure to check out all the links to where you can get involved with colossal kaiju combat and eventually play the game on this episode's page. So, fellas, uh, you obviously have a long storied history with giant monsters. Certainly, you must have some favorites in so far as like your favorite giant monster films.
12: I'll go with one of my uh, more controversial opinions Uh, within the within the Godzilla film specifically. Uh My favorite Godzilla film is Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. (laughs)
11: <laughs>
12: I thought you were going to say the 1998 no, I like one. I that a lot
6: too. <laughs> as uh, long as it's not the one with Matthew Broderick, yeah. Okay.
12: No, it's not. But I, I specifically like it because there's a lot of fights in it. And there's kind of like a progression of fights. You know, they got like Space Godzilla and you've got Mogira. You, I mean, like it, it all kind of builds up to this big fight at the end. Uh, whereas a lot of monster movies, especially some that are considered really good, like, you know, they're like an hour plus of monsters slowly advancing. <laughs> Right. And got like a 15, 20 minute fight at the end, and that's it's over.
1: Is that the one from the early 90s that you're talking
8: about? Yes. It's
12: from, uh, yeah, it's from uh, 1994.
8: 1994? Okay. Yeah, it's the one with the uh, Space, space Godzilla, of course, this gigantic crystal, kind of a crystal uh, covered clone of Godzilla. That, that, what's, what's
1: kind of interesting about that is it took, it, it took the series that long to get to the point where it's not just about a giant monster slowly advancing. <laughs> They finally gave everybody what they wanted. Just more giant monsters fighting each other. Yes. Well,
8: it's definitely debatable looking at the entire history of the of the uh, franchise. I am,
1: I am a layman, I admit. I, I don't know as much about this as I should.
8: <laughs> no, but it is... But it is, uh, it is I, I do agree with Simon. There is a nice progression of this, this uphill battle that Godzilla's fighting basically the entire film uh, until he finally actually gets his mitts on Space Godzilla towards the very, very, very end.
12: I am mean, just starting with Godzilla, but the other really just great Godzilla thing is uh, Destroy All Monsters, which just has a, a huge, you know, like, nine-on-one battle at the end, which is which is totally epic and great.
8: It's funny, I never actually used to, personally never used to like Destroy All Monsters that much, because I grew up with the extremely subpar um, international dub from a commission that was commissioned by a Hong Kong studio back in the 60s when it first came out, and only recently, with the with the recent Blu Ray release, they put out AIP American Made dub that uh, utilized a lot of actual actors. I think the guy who voiced Speed Racer might be actually in that movie. I'm not sure. Uh, and it's just such a superior dub, and it makes the film so much more fun. So yeah, that's just that's part of my two cents on the matter. <laughs> what about games? I'm. You, it's fair to say, it's fair for you to say your own games, by the way. But
1: which of your own games, <laughs> if that's what it comes down to, the giant monster <laughs> fighting games, are do you love the most?
12: So clearly, I think the, the general consensus is that uh, Godzilla Save the Earth, the second game, is mm-hmm. probably the, the overall best. I think that's uh, a, a common opinion, although they, they all have their, their strong points and their, and their fans. Although, actually, I, I also feel really good about uh, the Rampage reboot that I did <laughs> in 2006, I think, uh, which is Rampage Total Destruction. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, which, which you know, it's a very different demographic. It actually it got... Pretty mediocre reviews because people are saying like, "Oh, this is pretty much the same game I played when I was eight, and I want something more, <laughs> right?" And I'm like, "No, no, it's for people who are eight now." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, thought that game, I thought that game was pretty, was pretty great. Like it was. Uh, we were able, we were pretty much just left alone and, uh, we were able to just make a game with 40 monsters and like 300 city blocks to destroy. That was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit as well.
1: That's cool. I mean, I've actually never checked that one out. Does it, tell me, does it have full frontal nudity in it as well as the others did?
12: <laughs> <laughs> uh, We do have little naked people that you turn into uh, when you die. Yes. And you can eat your uh, your allies. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I ask the hard-cutting
1: questions.
12: (laughs) So because uh, I was doing that at Pipeworks, which was part of Foundation 9, Foundation 9 Digital Clips, at the same time was doing conversion of the original Rampage games for a collection. Uh So I was able to actually use the original sound clip that you played from the original Rampage when you would shrink down to a naked person. <laughs> That's great. So It's, it's, it's literally wow. the same wave file. Huh. Beautiful.
1: <laughs> right now, we're going to cut to a track called The Trouble With Those Mothra Girls by a band called Daikaiju, and this is from their self-titled 2005 album. A little bit of giant monster surf rock for you.
3: back to How I Met Your Mothra. Howdy ho, neighbor. Oh, hey, Rodan. Gosh, you look like he went toe-to-toe with Ultraman. <laughs> What's wrong, buddy? It's my damn kid. I caught him smoking drugs with that bratty ranger gang. Oh no, did you let him have it? The drugs? Of course they didn't let him. <laughs> no, no, I mean did you lay down the law? Godzilla style. Oh yeah, I went nuclear on him. Think I burned the pink one's eyebrows off. <laughs> You know what he said to me? What? He said he bet his dumb friend Zords could kick my butt. (laughs) Bunch of dumb punks he's hanging out with. I'm the king. King of all monsters. Eh, I sure don't feel like it, though. I mean, I don't even know how to relate to my own kid. Sure, I tore it up back in the day, but I never wanted to hang out with a crowd like that. And I never did drugs. Never? Only high I ever needed was smashing my way into a reactor core. I don't have any experience to relate to what he's going through. Experience? Experience is the thing you have left when everything else is gone. You don't need any experience other than your own to relate to Gagan. Just be careful with your temper. They you could just push him away. I don't know, Rodan. Sometimes that kid...
0: <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: At the very least, try being apathetic. I don't know how I feel about that. See? You've already got the hang of it. Information.
1: Welcome back, guys. Right now, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about Godzilla Comics. Matt Frank, you've been, uh... You you were on this episode because not just because of your work with Kaiju Combat, but you were actually directed to me as as a fan favorite uh, Godzilla artist. And you've done a lot of covers for the IDW's Godzilla books. You uh, you put out a book at least at least one book it was all art by you on um, one of the Godzilla legends. You you're in, you're really into go- giant monsters. We can tell.
8: Uh, dream job doesn't even begin to describe it, but I'll do my best. Um, it's uh it, you know when I was younger. I was really into dinosaurs and Godzilla was kind of a natural progression. I remember my parents actually buying me the dark horse comics, the dark horse Godzilla comics from our heroes and fantasies in San Antonio. And they, I would just, I would just pour over those issues over and over again. And it really started to ignite my imagination as far as how, how to draw these monsters and how to bring them, bring them across Two dimensionally and artistically, and uh, I just kept growing. I just, as I grew older, I never stopped being a fan, and never, my fandom never waned. As it became easier to put stuff out there to get stuff online, for example, mm. I started putting stuff up on my gallery on DeviantArt, and I started getting pretty strong reaction, and people were really liking my stuff. So. I just kept going and going and going, and eventually I even made a little fan-made fan art series kind of in the vein of the Ultimate Marvel comics because it was around that time I started reading Ultimate Spider-Man. And I thought, yeah, you know, I could apply this similar mentality to Godzilla. So I created Godzilla Neo, which was a sort of just taking all the Godzilla monsters and the Godzilla mythos and kind of shaking it up and streamlining it and redesigning all the monsters. And uh, the reaction was unbelievable. Like i to this day i look at that art i see everything wrong with it everything i would have done differently <laughs> but the fact that people love it so much is really staggering and it really but it but it really did help put me out there and kind of put me on fans lips and on their keyboards so and it wasn't until uh, when IEW finally got the license to do Godzilla, I didn't even realize it at the time, but apparently I was already on their short list of artists to get involved on some level uh, because I'd actually done some stuff for IDW in the past. I did a few some, some stand in art jobs on a few Transformers comics, like on the Beast Wars source book and a Transformers animated book. So they knew who I was. And it was just really nice, though, that they knew that fans liked my work. So they wanted to make the fans happy.
5: That's so they, really yeah, cool. Yeah, that is, that's pretty amazing. It's the abridged version.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of the interesting things about the way IDW has been dealing with Godzilla comics is that most of them sort of exist in their own continuity. There's sort of an understanding of, you know, basically what's up with Godzilla. And here's, here's another story, which has opened up a, a lot of different doors for a lot of different kinds of stories and a lot of different art teams and so on. It's been pretty neat among them. What's, what's the thing that you connect with the most? as far as different
8: kinds of storytelling. Well, one of the comics, one of the ones that I really, I really like it when they channel some of the classic storytelling techniques of the classic uh, uh, 50s and 60s Godzilla films. There's a, especially with, for example, Gangsters and Goliaths, which was the series by John John Layman. Layman. That's a great example of when you take a story about giant monsters, but you apply it, to other genres or create something that really has its own identity. One of the great things about the the Showa Godzilla stuff, which is everything in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, is that each movie really had a distinctive flavor to it. Because the way that a writer, uh, I believe it was Shinichi Sekizawa, but I know that uh, Shirohana did a lot of the writing too. He was the director on most of these films. What they would do is they would come up with a general plot for a film. It wouldn't even necessarily involve monsters. And then they'd find a way to put monsters into it. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was something that um, Ishira Handa learned from his friend, uh, his close friend, Akira Kurosawa, is how to, uh, just how to, how to make these films so strong and, and stand on their own two feet and not necessarily have to rely on the monsters. For example, like like Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, is the first one that King Ghidorah ever shows up, it really feels a lot like the film Roman Holiday. It's a very kind of a James Bond-esque, sort of an international intrigue, spy thriller. There just happen to be monsters fighting over there. <laughs>
5: <laughs> wow yeah
8: the monster stuff informs the human stuff and the human stuff informs the monster stuff but it almost feels like there's two separate films being made but they both still kind of work in tandem i guess that that is my obtuse way of saying uh, of putting it and that applies to a lot of the Iew stuff that's why legends is so cool because it's these different encapsulated little stories that are each independent and all each have their own flavor to them
1: layman's book gangsters and goliaths when i when i read the title i was like oh, really and then but i, I knew i knew layman <laughs> from his work on shoe he's a really great writer and, oh, yeah. and then I, I read it and i was just i was shocked at how well it worked like uh uh, a cop who's been blackmailed by his police chief, who's on the take, and he just he, he like yeah. he he puts a gun to the box that keeps Mothra's little like uh, <laughs> deity ladies in it, and he's like, "You, yeah. I'll, I'll command Show Mothra, you. or I'll blow your brains out."
8: It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's something. Yeah, that's something I never would have seen coming, and I was surprised that Toho kind of let that happen because those are such beloved characters and it really does a great job of raising the stakes. Yeah. I was, man, that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a great example of doing a really great self-contained story and it. And that whole gangster's aesthetic really does tie back to the old Showa days when two of Toho's primary productions back then were giant monster science fiction films. And, like gang- and gangster films, they did a lot of gangster movies back then, like Dogura the Space Monster, which is a slightly lesser known Toho film, is pretty much just, it's about diamond thieves.
7: <laughs> and then,
8: but then a monster starts like eating the diamonds out of the vault before they can get to the diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just so wonderfully creative. And I think that that's one of the things that if you can tap into that, that's what makes a really strong monster story.
5: So yeah. Recently, uh,
1: <laughs> recently you did a Godzilla Legends issue um, about Ingurious with Jeff Prezenkowski, and that was a, an interesting choice for a monster. I mean, like you, it was addressed in the issue. You know, he's this little guy gets his ass kicked all the time. Like <laughs> <Yeah.
7: you> know, <laughs> poor
1: guy. <laughs> and you, you really, you really play him up as, as. As the underdog, it was a really fun story. When you, when you guys were developing that, was he your first choice? Was he assigned to you? How'd you end up picking him of all of all the creatures in the Godzilla pantheon?
8: Well, to be perfectly honest, Anguirus is really a fan favorite. Uh, he He's beloved because he is the underdog. He's very much Godzilla's sidekick, more so than just about any other monster. And even, even like a lot of people would say like, oh, Godzilla's friends with Rodan or Mothra or something. I would say... Consistently, Angiris has been at his side, uh, and he kind of fits that role really well. And even even taking a, uh, taking away the whole aspect of him being Godzilla's sidekick, he really he does have that never say die attitude of just he just he'll just he'll just throw himself into a fight. I mean, he got the crap kicked out of him to destroy all monsters, and he just kept kept going and. The worst he's ever been beaten, I think... Well, I mean, got, uh, supposedly Godzilla tore his neck open in the first time they ever fought. <laughs> Godzilla <four seconds> <laughs> again, <laughs> and then set him on fire. So <laughs> wherever, wherever this new Anguirus came from is anybody's guess. But, but then and then in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 1974, Mechagodzilla broke his jaw and left Anguirus to kind of crawl back into the earth with his tail between his legs. Um <laughs> It was, it is so, it's just, kind of got his face sliced open when he was fighting Gigan. And uh, so it's that never, it's that, it's that combination of never say die. And, de- and the depression. fact that, sorry? <laughs> and depression all mixed in. <laughs> and depression. Uh, so he really is a fan favorite. And Jeff Rosankowski actually was the one who suggested the idea of what can we, like we were, we were trying to bandy some ideas back and forth, and one of the thing ideas he came up with was, what if we do a story where there's this huge, horrible threat that's like threatening either the world or maybe a city or something, and Godzilla's nowhere to be found. It's it's Anguirus who has to step up to the plate. Anguirus, you know, it would it would be like it would basically be like like if Batman's out of commission and Robin basically has to take over. Mm. we took that idea we expanded on it to include destroyer or Des- destroya and it kind of just went from it kind of just naturally snowballed from there and jeff wrote in this great subplot about or, or rather the primary plot about this lead human character who is having to overcome his own his own stigmas in order to kind of find the same sort of never say die attitude that Angiris does. And it's all very beautiful. And here I sit all broken hearted and whatnot. So,
1: (laughs) and uh, more recently Godzilla half century war by James uh, Stoke. That was quite the standalone uh, miniseries.
8: Yeah, that was uh, the half century war is a perfect storm of uh, of of having of really addressing pretty much everything in, in the Godzilla mythos, like or not everything, but addressing this wide range of topics in the Godzilla Mythos, but doing it in such a style and in such a way that really sets it apart. Because it, it it's a fact that it is kind of easy for a lot of giant monster stuff to start running together after a while, but with Stoko, Sakoe, whatever, with his particular style and his his brand of storytelling and the way he told the story through the eyes of this particular character, it really was, like I said, it was this perfect storm.
6: A little bit off topic, how do you feel about the little character called Godzuki?
8: <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Good one. <laughs> you know, it was funny. Uh, that was actually my April Fool's joke that I pulled on my on my uh, DeviantArt page was that our first issue of Godzilla Rulers of Earth has a special appearance uh, leading into the first real big fight of the series. It's a special appearance by Zilla, who is the is the American Godzilla. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be our first two issues are going to be focusing on that. And the fan reaction is so was so strange and, and strangely divided we had a lot of people who were really excited about it, but we had a couple of people who were really vocal about how it shouldn't <laughs> even be acknowledged the the American movie or anything like that. And so I thought, like, well, maybe for evil Fools, I'll uh, I'll play on that a little bit. So I made the announcement that Godzuki was going to be a recurring primary character. He was going to follow around our main cast uh-huh. with his antics. He's a fan favorite, so why wouldn't we? Uh. <laughs>
5: Uh, That's kind of mean. God, God's <laughs> oh, it,
8: Most people got the joke. A couple of people were like, I'm not buying this book. And he mentioned it. He be like, you know what day it is, right? Uh, <laughs> so my, a lot of my followers and fans have, have kind of cottoned on to the fact that I do, I will pull a, an April Fool's uh, stunt uh, every year. But I, I, if I had a little more time, I would have totally put together some art, like a faux cover or something. But... It just uh, I, I didn't think about it until the morning of. But the whole trope of having a younger version of Godzilla is, I think, something that is still part of the franchise and I think should still be acknowledged. I mean, it's like, it's a whole idea about giving big, tough Godzilla this softer side that he can emote by taking care of this younger, weaker monster. <clears throat> the end of Son of Godzilla... It has Minya, the baby Godzilla like basically freezing to death in the snowbank and basically being left in the dust by Godzilla who doesn't care because he's Godzilla, <laughs> and then he but then Godzilla turns and actually comes back over to Minya and picks him up and basically shelters him, and then the two of them will can so the two of them can uh hibernate through the snowstorm, so it's a really it, it kind of it, it has its purpose <laughs> I just don't know about Godzuki since. He kind of makes blood come out of my eyes. Yeah, I absolutely hate <laughs> I, I,
6: I mean, I saw him in that. I don't know how that old American cartoon got made um, that featured Godzuki. And I, when I first saw it, I was like, what the hell am I watching? And it really was horrible. <laughs> that theme
8: <song> is amazing. <laughs> I, I still think there's a charm to that old show. My, my nephews are budding young Godzilla fans. And when I visit my sister, I'll, sometimes I'll put that show on and they'll watch it with their little friends. And then I, I came back into the room about half an hour, an hour later, and they're watching Godzilla fight some monster. And the kids are like,
7: I know Godzilla can beat him. I, lo- I love you, Godzilla. And it's good,
8: for, good for kids, you know? It's a good little little gateway drug for kids. You know? <laughs> oh, it's a good gateway drug dude. for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stoking
1: the nuclear fire in their hearts. Exactly. <laughs>
8: <clears throat> much to my sister's chagrin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, Matt, tell me about
1: Chris Mowry. This guy, you're, you're writing a book with him, and uh, he's actually... I looked through all the IDW books that have come out. He's listed as a creative consultant on basically everything. That's
8: okay. That's nuts. What, is, what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> well, as I understand it, uh, he's more or less... This poor guy, he's more or less their workhorse. I mean, he... I think his official title is that he's also uh, primarily like a graphic designer. Like he does a lot of lettering. He does a lot of the setting up how the sound effects look. He does a lot of the book design layout. He did the, the, he did, he pretty much put together the Fall of Cybertron art book that came out. He, he, he basically takes all the art, all the writing, everything, puts it together, makes it look pretty, makes it look presentable. Like, you know when you open up a comic and you've got like the credits page which has the title and the writer, artist and yeah. it's got some cool graphics to it and stuff. Like that's his job.
1: So like like an art director, layout director kind of position.
8: Yeah, pretty much, but you know, he's he's also he is also their resident Godzilla fan. Like he is a, as big a fan as I am. He's even, as I understand it, I think he even acquired like a Godzilla Pachinko game (laughs) that he just keeps in his apartment. So he's always wanted to be more... uh, So basically what what they keep him around for as far as Godzilla books up to this point, it's been kind of like they'll say like, hey, what about this? Or they'll basically show him the stuff and they'll say like, hey, what does this look like? Or how does this look? Or... Would these monsters do this or that? It's basically, he's almost like they go to him before they go to Toho because he has some stuff to Toho regardless, but having it go through a fan who knows his stuff as well as Chris does gives it that extra layer of cred, you know? That's very cool. I guess the, that's where yeah, the that's, consultant that's pretty fascinating. title comes in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he you know, he knows that like if somebody wants to have Godzilla eat a bus, of tour- bus full of tourists or something, Chris would probably step in and say, Godzilla doesn't eat people. Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't. That's actually one of Toho's stipulated rules, is that Godzilla cannot eat people. I mean, he can maybe accidentally swallow somebody or something. Or you come up with a reason, like in the old Dark Horse comics, where he eats uh, a supervillain who's uh, holding these handheld plutonium missiles or something. So he eats the bad guy because Godzilla wants the plutonium. So there you go. Wow. Hmm. That's a very
1: specialized position. And, <laughs> yes. and, and yeah. <laughs> as a fan, I would imagine something to the effect of a dream job.
8: Oh, yeah. Especially. Well, I mean, it, there's always a, a measure of I don't want to speak directly for him, but there was always this little twinge of envy because he did actually get to write an issue of Godzilla Legends, which was had a very strong had a very strong fan reaction. Uh, people really liked it. It was just one big fight. Uh, it was issue four, I think. He uh, so finally they just, and he's also written some some Transformers stuff in the past like Reign of Starscream. So finally with Rules of Earth, IDW and our editor Bobby Kernell basically thrown caution in the wind and said like, okay, Chris, Matt, you guys are the only ones who'll probably do this thing for free. Why don't we uh, <laughs> Why don't we put you guys in charge of this book? Oh. <laughs> that was great. Not that, not that they're not paying us. I'm just saying that that's. Oh, gotcha. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) Take from that what you will. Um. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's really cool. Uh,
1: So forthcoming projects, Godzilla, Rulers of Earth?
8: Yes. uh, It is our new ongoing series through IDW. It comes out in June. It's it's really uh, an astounding thing, to be honest, because uh, there's no secret about this. IAW really is kind of taking a risk with this because Mowry and I are, you know, we have people in the fandom really like us and that means a lot, but there's no guarantee that comic book stores are going to put a lot of orders down for our book. You know, it's, it's where we're relatively untested talent in the wide world of comics, especially compared to guys like Stokoe and, and Eric Powell and John Lehman. So what we're hoping is that the phantom will come out in force to support us. We have a really terrific story planned. We've got a lot of crazy cool stuff that's going to happen that I think fans have been waiting a long time to see and we're going to deliver. God, are we ever going to deliver?
1: Now see, that's a, that's awesome. That's a that is a 100% fan comic. Like you I mean there's plenty of I will say there are tons of people in the industry right now who only started at the same humble beginnings of any, as any of us. But uh you really can't beat the the fire you're speaking with right here. I mean, you, every every listener is full, full, fully aware right now. You know what the cut of uh, Matt Frank's jib as far as Godzilla goes. You you, you know you know
6: this guy's legit. So th- that's very
1: I exciting.
8: It. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah.
6: And we've, been, uh, we've interviewed lots of fake people, but you are legit. <laughs> you 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 got it. We, we don't know what you fake
8: people on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's really appreciated. You know, I mean. And granted, there there can be a stigma towards putting fans in charge of something to the point where they might um, let that fanness get in the way, right. that fandom get in the way of, of telling a coherent or a really strong story when they might just want to keep falling back on fan service, mm-hmm. which is not weird. I'm confident that Chris and I are really trying to strike that that middle ground, where yes we're really big fans but we want to tell a really strong story that's not hindered by us uh, just just tongue-bathing something to death you know yeah. I mean, we wanted this book to have its own identity and to really push some boundaries as far as Godzilla stuff goes so that's what that's what my hope is that's what my fear is mostly hope um <laughs> i'm just kidding. Uh, no, yes. i i am i am um Very excited, and I'm very thankful for the kind words.
1: Be sure to check that book out, Godzilla, (laughs) Rulers
8: of Earth. The title is very indicative of the sort of plot threads we're going with.
1: (laughs) Like I mentioned earlier, the first writer behind a Godzilla property over at IDW was Eric Powell, creator of The Goon. When I was moderating the Dark Horse panel at this year's Heroes Con, Eric was the first to show up, and he and I had a little bit of time to talk about stuff that wasn't Dark Horse related. So I asked him about his run on Godzilla. Your Godzilla was the, the first they did? Am I correct in that?
9: Yeah, they they came to me and, and asked if I'd be interested in doing something with it, and I was like, yeah, let's do a, you guys want to do an ongoing book? And I'm like, sure, that'd be great. And uh, I had this great idea. Since it's not happening, I can tell you all the idea. <laughs> Yeah, go for it. When I was—I mean, when I, when I was a kid, I was a big Godzilla fan. But those movies are completely formulaic. Every single one of them. It's like monster comes in, monster destroys stuff, monster fights another monster or the army or something, monster goes away, the end. How do you make an ongoing serialized story out of that? And I thought, well, all of the weird stuff had been happening in the world around that time. We had the Katrina and, and the oil spill and everything. And it was just kind of like, Staggering to me to see how little it takes for our infrastructure to crumble right? and like, oh, there's a storm and people are dying because they can't get water. So I started having the thought, well, what would happen if a giant monster actually attacked? Well, the infrastructure would be screwed. So even like, <laughs> all right, the monster comes, destroys the city, goes off or gets killed or whatever the city would still have, like, months or years to, you know, recover. And this was also the first time that Toho was allowing a publisher to use all their monsters. So we were going to do a book that had all of their monsters in it. So I had the thought, well, if all of these monsters came, there would be no way for the infrastructure to catch up with the destruction they were causing, so society would just completely crumble. So I started thinking about that and kind of had this big vision of... uh, it would turn into the road warrior with giant monsters and uh it was going to be a slow decline but i thought it was going to be a pretty good comic a pretty good idea and then um They didn't really want to take it in the direction we wanted to take it, so we ended up jumping off the book. Mm. Was they IDW or Toho? Toho. Oh, that's too bad. They're they're very... uh, They're protective. Rightfully so, they're very protective, but, you know, it was kind of contradictory to our pitch that we gave them, so... That sounds really exciting. Yeah, I wish we could have done that book. It would have been fun.
1: On the topic of Godzilla, how could we not play Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla? Well, here's how we could not play it. Because there's a heavy metal band called Racer X... And on their 2000 album Superheroes, they did the best cover of Bluish Your Cult's track I've ever heard. So here's Godzilla by Racer X. I'm Cap. Hi, I am Hex. I'm Brandon. And right now, we're going to talk about Pacific Rim. Specifically Pacific Rim. Specific Pacific Rim, not Atlantic Rim. Which is a, an actual film that's being made
6: to profit off of the buzz of Pacific Rim. Yay! It was like cocktails. when Disney made, what, The Frog and the Princess, and then that knockoff company at the same time made, like, The Princess and the Frog, and it looked kind of similar. Or Snakes on a Train,
1: for example. Yep. Okay, so we just saw Pacific Rim. Right now, we're going to go through our reactions. We're going to start off, and we're going to keep it spoiler-free for a little bit, as much as we can say in broad strokes about the film, but honestly, there's not much we can say without addressing spoilers. When we hit that territory, we will let you know.
10: I'm going to start off and say I was very satisfied with the robots. I yes, wanted to I go was. in saying giant robots, and the movie did not fail me. Oh.
1: It was very satisfying. And that is
10: not a spoiler.
1: If you've seen the trailers for the film, <laughs> you will be introduced to the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. And after that, aside from some clips from other scenes, everything else is new.
10: Yeah. Which yeah. is
1: kind of cool. And that's why it's hard for us to say stuff without spoilers because really, you think. Oh, I'm going to be introduced to the world. We're going to see the first Kaiju land and all that stuff. You don't. No, no, you don't Don't even think you're going to. That There's a, uh, Travis Beecham has a graphic novel that I haven't read, but is probably what that is because in the first five minutes of the film, you realize that uh, the existence of Kaiju. It's been around for it's, a while. It's, 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 been, it's been a while. So For a long while. Actually. Several, several years.
6: Several decades.
10: Well, I don't know no, what not decades. Not it's like decades. seven years, right? Yeah, seven it's like years.
6: seven years. Yeah because there was a thing that said like seventh year of kaiju
10: yeah yeah so it's like predicting that this is the year the kaiju come yeah
6: so like my first impression a while ago my impressions uh when i saw the very first trailer which was like a minute it didn't show much Mm -hmm. but i was like "Uh, it looks like a michael bay movie there's cg everywhere and explosions whatever and then i saw the actual movie and oh my god was i wrong Michael Bay is a worthless piece of shit, and he <laughs> well, could you know, learn. That's not new. And and that's... what I was saying earlier, if he even took away, if he watches this movie and learns even one thing from it will be exponentially better.
10: I was explaining to Brandon why the trailers and the movie were so disparate. And it's basically, it is targeting the demographic that wants to see the Michael Bay explosion to giant robots. Boo. Not people that are like, huh, I wonder why the robot is fighting the monster. Yay. I'd like to learn more about that. I want to know why there are different robots and different monsters.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Hopefully that will amount to ticket sales because this movie stands to be a classic it is agreed. It is very, very strong. As weird
10: as
6: that sounds, because like ninety percent of it's, I guess, CG. So it's weird to call that a classic, but it definitely has that feeling of a classic monster movie in it. Hideo
1: Kojima, the creator of Metal Gear Solid, yeah, uh, said some very fantastic things about this, and a glowing review from him is a lot of people did actually. that. Uh, you, I mean, just uh, but like this him,
10: particular review like him, caught a lot him, of him all eyes. people.
6: This coming from him means the absolute world. Good. He needs to promote the hell out of it because given whatever budget they had they need to make that shit back
1: <laughs>
10: and then some
1: yes he says pacific rim is the ultimate otaku film that all of us have always been waiting for who are you if you're japanese and won't watch this
6: <laughs> <laughs> did he really say that yes damn uh the toy line we predict is going to be magnificent i want to buy all I-, I haven't actually seen any but i really hope
10: there they is better be making some fucking toys each, i
6: want some each robot is very specific and very different and I liked that. I'm sorry, Each Jaeger, as H- we call Yeager, it. Jaeger, that's right. I was a little disappointed because in the movie, you know, the robots are called Jaegers because it means hunter. It's like yes, the hunter program. The Jaeger program. Y'all. Yeah. And I felt like every time they killed a kaiju or anything cool happened, they should just down some Jaeger. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, you shot, bro. When I was watching this film, I was thinking, a lot of stuff is happening very quickly in the movie. In fact, it, it's a two and a half hour film. Honestly, well, it could two and like 10, It could have been three hours. It, yeah, I, I, I kind of hope that there's a special cut where they where where it is three hours. Yeah. But I doubt it. Anyway, there, there's there's so much going on. Sometimes the stuff moves by too fast. But largely, it's a very rich world, and there's a ton of characterization, which is the sort of stuff that's. Everything that's that's missing about high octane, action packed summer blockbusters with massive budgets is present in this film.
10: It had a primary plot and a secondary plot, and I was as interested in the secondary plot. The
6: secondary plot for was so just as reasons. important, though. As the yeah, primary. no, that's there the were, There were two
10: it, different it, plots going it, on. It, it served as a nice comedic foil. But it also served an incredible uh, plot point as well. The, the
6: Adventures of Charlie Day. Yes. As people call it. You'll just have to figure yes. out what that means later.
10: <laughs> the Adventures of Charlie Day. He's a wild card. Uh, uh, this,
1: <laughs> the, this film samples and gives head nods to many great things in pop culture, but ultimately remains predominantly unique and simply informed by the stuff that has come before it. And, and it feels very loving towards all that stuff, as you can probably tell when you're when you're watching it if you have any part of you who who wants to see uh, a fun science fiction film or giant monster anything or simply a film that uh has all the the hallmarks of a summer blockbuster yet doesn't treat you disrespectfully you will want to see this film i don't care it will treat you with much respect and honor (laughs) It, it, it will
6: it absolutely will i think if you're a fan of magus xlr or evangelion or um anything
10: you know, with any a kaiju kind
6: of g- film
1: you, you know, or
10: anything with a giant robot but now yeah. well,
1: i'd emphasize that if you are a fan of giant monsters and giant robots you have to see this movie and even if you aren't a fan of those things you, you have to you see will, this. you will really enjoy this film yeah. because it doesn't treat you like an asshole like michael bay would treat you like michael bay would like you'd, you'd wake up and you'd have bruises all over your
6: face <laughs> it's like okay a michael bay movie would basically he'd rape you in the ass and leave you in an alley and the cops would find you bloody and beaten Guillermo del Toro movie, he would call you the next day and leave flowers on your pillow. <laughs> and that's what this movie was like. He was very nice to me. I think we should initiate the spoiler protocol right
1: now.
10: Yeah, because we can't go much further without spoiling do stuff. Do you have
1: that password to initiate the protocol? I do. I'm going to initiate that password. Does everybody have their keys ready? you um, got to do this at the same time. I, I do. I, I'd la- okay,
10: yes, okay, yes, I got it. I got out. it right here.
1: Three, two, one. Okay, so, um... <laughs> Let's let's start with Charlie Day. Holy crap. It was amazing. His character was a combination of Lewis Tully and Ray Stans. Yeah. And it was perfect. He was so
6: good. The thing is, I, I kind of felt like no one wrote that for him. It was almost as if they said, do and say whatever you want and we'll go with it. Basically, that's how it felt. Like, so. I mean, he... <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was pretty great.
10: Because there were the two scientists. There are two scientists that kind of like, we are the kaiju experts. One is a mathematician, one is a biologist, and a total fucking nut job. Yeah. Played by Charlie Day. And so when the prim and proper British mathematician is going off on this tangent about how math is the, the only true glimpse of God, like Charlie Day, like like the audience wants to go, just goes, what? He's like, what does that even mean? He's what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> it's his dialogue is very believable which is why i love him as yes, an actor it's yes. it's it's not it's,
10: it's the, pl- the, the, the it's not he only, talks as if like you know the way we would talk not only is his dialogue believable but his delivery is as believable
6: i just don't think he's acting i think he's just being himself just, <laughs> it, it feels that At way same, and i love
1: it like if, if charlie's character that he plays in it's always sunny in Philadelphia." Is um, it's it's different. I mean, it's very it's very different,
10: right? Because this is still we are still watching a genius. Yeah, like th- that is unmistakable.
1: That whole that whole subplot, I love it. Now there's parts where it's. It's so different from the other parts of the film that it does feel, you know, like it could it could use, a, you know, some more time on screen to help the parts right. mess yeah. together better. But that said, I mean, that takes him into the world with Ron Perlman and uh
10: like I felt and, I didn't actually get to see the world itself until I saw that subplot.
1: Right. And which was very which is really valuable to help helping us feel. I mean, like you got like Guillermo del Toro's giving us like uh Blade Runner Neuromancer uh, Hong Kong. Uh, and. Uh, like I got no Bonaville. problem with that. I'm
10: like, I want to see Bone Alley. I want to see more of this. <laughs> this is gorgeous.
1: The world created with, like, the everybody living on the backs of multiple kaiju attacks and everything, really fascinating.
10: This whole black Th- that market was, that um... just grew out of, like... The that ransacking? was one of my
6: favorite parts, actually, because, in, you know, in old monster films and kaiju and all that, you just assume, well, the government probably seals off everything and cleans it up. But it's like, you have a monster that's like a mile long and it dies in the middle of a city. No government's going to be able to clean it up that quickly. No, just no people government's going to
10: be able to yeah, organize there's, that quickly. You know,
6: there's black markets. People steal parts. They use it as aphrodisiacs. They sell, like, organs. They use it for food. Some people start praising them as, like, gods. And like, it's this whole culture built around, like, dead kaijus that you never really get into, you know, what happens to them when they die. So I really, I really like that part. I thought that was
10: really creative and really fun.
1: Yeah. And the, um, the drift I thought was, um, you know, it was, it was interesting and it was a really compelling, uh, way to, to create human drama on screen without having to fo- just basically replicate Iron Man, you right. know? And did you, you guys know that the big rooms where they're all like tethered to the machines and everything, those are real. So they're yeah. completely real how are they real as in like the, the actors are in suits and the suits are connected to big oh you mean like not cg right no, I, I knew giant, some of that was real which is why it, i I'm was about, like the budget's crazy the, giant hydraulic sets that move with water
6: leaking out and sparks flying all real that should be a ride <laughs> like like <laughs> whatever it was, theme it was park for them. mgm or whatever the fuck warner brothers has shit in it yeah your experience it, you, you drink a bunch of Jaeger. Oh, you God. get in a robot suit and you pretend you're piloting a fucking Jaeger. And then puke all over yourself. <laughs> and and puke. Fill up your helmet. <laughs> oh, you know. no, no, a lot of the technology was really cool. And I, I did like whenever they explained some of it. Uh, for instance, like, you know, why they had to have two pilots. And they showed and explained, well, they used to just try one pilot. But they were getting, their brain was getting fried and they couldn't handle it. So... They figured if they split up the work of the brain between, you know, one pilot controls the left lobe and one's the right, they can actually handle it and not, you know, explode and And die.
10: The existence of that technology allowed for the subplot of Charlie Day being able to hack into a kaiju brain to find out what are they doing,
1: which I thought was brilliant. I'm thinking, you know, there was honestly there was too much going on in this film for it to work. And it's a miracle that they pulled it off in the time yeah. that they had, but they did. And like, even though it, there's a probably an alternate reality where just the film industry is that just that much more perfect, where it, where it is a stronger
6: film. But as it is, it's great. It's really great. And I did have one problem with yeah. it, though, which was the ending. And this is spoiler territory, I guess. But whatever. We, we turned the keys. Yeah, man. exactly. It's all over. They, so you know, fuck y'all if you don't want to hear it. But I thought the ending was too happy. Yeah. Too good. You know, most you know the main characters live. Everything's well, like, oh, we saved the world. I was like, no, I mean, who, who's to say another oh, rift isn't going to open somewhere else? I mean, they're fucking basically aliens attacking them. Why can't they open another rift? I,
1: I don't know. I, I'd argue that it wasn't that necessarily that it was too happy, but simply that it was by comparison to the rest of the film too abrupt it didn't necessarily give you a feeling of um it it did end too conveniently i the 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 resolution didn't have a a a pacing that was strong enough for for you to feel anything like it would other than it was Russian Mm
6: -hmm. maybe and then conversely because only a couple people died that it was too happy right and yeah when they went into the breach i thought there'd be a lot more like it wouldn't just be you go in there you detonate it you get out i thought it'd be like there'd be this other like another half an hour of him in this thing with these aliens and just shit happening I think it would just be instantly no, that, he comes out. That's in. risky. <laughs> I, I mean, I just thought he'd be there and, you know, more would happen. But. Well, how about, how about this achievement? It was like a Stargate ending. There
1: <laughs> was no romance in this movie. I it, love that. It,
10: it touched on a possible romance. Sure.
1: I am so into the idea that there was no romance in this, this film. It's amazing because there's always this. It's so obligatory, right? Mm. And, and there's a couple characters who could have a relationship at some point. But, you know, under the circumstance, it would be a total waste of time and completely inappropriate. And most yeah. of the time I'm screaming at the screen, you know, Spock, well, and Huro, also, shut the fuck up. Well, it's also it's <laughs> like
10: they I mean, it feels like the your romance did blossom uh, and like we saw it at the very end. But it's also it was unspoken because they already shared their fucking yeah, minds. Yeah, they didn't even kiss. They just hugged. Right, because they so just much survived a near
6: death experience. were are like, yeah. oh shit, that was fucked up. Yeah, we're alive, and and I like that because when they first introduced the character, you know, the Asian girl's like, that's that. I was like, I knew, you know, this is going to be his partner, even though they didn't say it. And I kind of rolled my eyes because I thought, well, she's cute, she's Asian. There's going to be a romantic thing. It's going to get fucked up, and I'm going to hate it. And they just didn't lead it into a romantic place. It, and I, that, like you said, it was just, it was wonderful to not have to it, deal with that shit. All the and characterization
1: the was just so much more real than I'm used to. And it's the, and this, this is why I get pissed off when I go see most films.
6: Right. <laughs> because this, this is possible.
1: It is possible to make a movie like this.
6: <laughs> yes. You don't need to have a love interest to have a good movie.
10: And can I just take a moment oh. and say, fucking love the soundtrack.
6: It was just, oh,
10: it's pretty pumping.
6: good. It Except was... for the ending credits. But other than that,
10: well, after, after the obligatory uh, hip-hop track, the, the rest of the ending credits was just, like, this kind of, like, musical montage of the rest of the music, and it was still, it was pumping. It no, was the, awesome. the music it was, was good. I really enjoyed it.
6: The sets were good. The The character designs were good. The kaiju designs, each one was completely different oh, and yeah. looked really nice. Very intricate.
10: I really want to know more about the kaiju. I want to, like, I... I've caught Charlie Day's bug. I, I want to know everything about the kaiju ever. Hmm. I'm a kaiju junkie.
1: There's so much there. Um, the whole time I was watching the film, I was thinking, what's the best comparison to this film? Like, What, what are the tent poles of great movie making, movie making that we actually can get behind? And I, my mind kept coming back to the same thing. The Fifth Element. Uh, is oh a, is, yeah, is, is best a movie very ever. Very strong, modern representation of someone doing a totally original story with incredible characterization, and it's very well balanced out, and... Um, and that even does have a love, like a romantic story, but it works for it. Right. It, it's actually, I mean. Cause it's, part it, it, yeah, it cause it's part of the plot. Yeah, it works in Fifth because it's part of the plot. Right. But in in this case. And I, even then, it's not overdone. No. It's interesting. The patterns in film, like we can look back at certain eras and we can say, well, the 70s was just filled with many dynamic movies. The 80s as well, like landmark films. And it, it starts to trickle out and gets wider, uh, the, the the space between things. And what, what do we have? like. Avatar, The Matrix, things that, like, hackers, they don't have the same triggers, but there's films like The Fifth Element, which, you know, like just incredible action, lots of action, incredible characterization, and so then then another film, Pacific Rim, comes along, and it seems like it's a fair comparison, like, it's in the same league of something that has enough of a standalone quality that it can be judged as a classic, which is really... Exciting,
6: you know, like I, I want to see it again immediately. I, when it comes Agreed. out, I kind of want to see it in a huge IMAX like theater. And you know, it, it's, it's in the movies. Obviously, it's in 3D because that's what you do these days when you have a huge CG you know movie. And it wasn't overdone, but it felt there were a few times when things were at the screen. But I really enjoyed it. Like there was like fish at the beginning, right? And yeah. I was like, oh my god, are, fish. Are
1: you guys familiar with Guillermo del Toro's things that he said about 3D in the past? No, yeah, no, no. You no, mentioned no.
10: it in the past, but please go. I on. assume
1: but... he hates it, but let me know when when he was developing at the Mountains of Madness which is in a perfect world what he would have done instead of this film actually mm. he said you know he wanted to utilize 3d as it was going to be a very expensive blockbuster film but he wanted to to give depth to the screen he thought the screen was more useful as a picture that you've you stared into rather than something that had crap bubbling out at the surface and uh, it's all that's a feature that you often see in 3d for cgi films far more than um than well i mean not there wasn't a ton of cgi in this movie but just far more than something with physical human actors and in this movie, uh, you could see that his ethos that he planned on putting into At the Mountains of Madness was very active in this movie because most scenes went back all the way. Like you yeah. got the full depth of a scene were, and you could just fall several into layers. that world, maybe even hundreds of layers. It was, yeah, it
6: was, once again, astronomical cool. budget, I think, somehow yeah. for this. Where he got it, well, probably being an awesome
1: director, but other than that. Well, I mean, think about the things that he wanted to do, and they told him it was too risky, and they wouldn't give
6: him money yeah, for it. Yeah, how come, why'd they, why did they let one. him do this, but not anything else? <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, this would have been a huge, like, if it failed, the amount of money that was put into it, I mean, he, he would not have done another action movie ever again. Well, people are still extremely nervous. It cost 180 million dollars. It's still no Waterworld. What what was Waterworld like a billion? They actually made a floating island and blew it up like twice. So it, like once was by accident, it sank, and like oh fuck.
10: Now we have to Maybe. build it again.
6: Yeah. Well, Waterworld was um actually one hundred and seventy
1: five million.
7: What?
6: <laughs> it
1: beat Waterworld. But but Grant, nobody, nobody beats Waterworld. <laughs> Keep in mind, Brandon, that was nineteen ninety five. Uh, yeah, which would financial translate situ- to a billion dollars. Financial situation is very different now um but it is a lot people are nervous uh, there's this whole thing where people are saying that like the twitterverse like don't understand this film and though,
6: though no one's seen it yet like people are have very disparaging opinions about it well but. i did too before i saw just based on the trailer i just thought it was like a huge cg action film and it is but it's so it's, it's done so well that. how are the kaiju fights very tasteful i think I really enjoyed it. Each fight was completely different. Each kaiju was completely different. All I
1: know is everybody, you know, I think that, you know, the word of mouth is going to travel far and wide in this film. I really hope that we don't see, like, another John Carter-style disaster. Dude, Kanye West tweeted it. It's sold. It's done. But At the very least, I hope that, you know, Kanye's ego will translate into some ticket sales for Pacific Rim. That would be really cool. Because this movie, it deserves success. It is a cool fucking film. Yeah. You know, there was so much happening on screen, like, it was hard to focus on sometimes, just like how how much you're seeing. It makes
10: me want to go watch it but and it, observe it did, more. Yeah, it, it didn't... And uh, we saw it on a rather small screen, It actually.
1: didn't annoy me so much as I just was like, oh man, I gotta see this again. <laughs> yeah.
10: One thing I definitely also really want to touch on before we close is the ending dedication to Ray Harryhausen. The other person that was
1: mentioned in the, um, that the film is dedicated to is Ishiro Honda, the director of Godzilla. So, obviously, very <laughs> <Wow>. appropriate. <laughs>
10: Harryhausen, I'm very familiar with from watching a bunch of his movies growing up. Clash of the Titans, Mysterious Island, Jason and the Argonauts particularly. Wait, the new Clash of the Titans no, or the old, old one. Clash oh, of the Titans. Like straight you're,
6: up. You're old school. Straight I am up like stop motion. old
10: school, yes.
7: Okay.
6: Ray
10: Harryhausen was a god among claymation stop motion monsters. Like he was a monster master as they referred to him in the ending credits. Just, like, his impact on, on Hollywood and monsters and cinema alone, like, the fact that they took inspiration from that really shows, in my opinion, like, because there is so much character in the monsters, like there were with Harryhausen. It's true. His monsters
6: are always very detailed, and I guess that's the kind of detail you could, you can actually do when it's a sculpted piece right. of work.
10: Like, I mean, I feel that if you asked Harryhausen, he would give you a whole backstory of each individual monster. Oh, like yeah. Even, like, the army of skeletons from... Jason, the Argonauts. That's a, yeah, and each one is slightly different. Each one is slightly different. different. They have like... Slight imperfections that are own weapons, their own kind of like some are missing teeth, some uh, like are walking with a lamp Like there is so much
6: detail. So would you compare that to Pacific Rim, the the level of detail to the think? monsters? Yes. yes, There was a lot. I mean, and the
10: robots. It's, you know, it's weird. Yes.
1: Uh, couple, you know, a few years ago, people complained about the final act of uh, Incredible Hulk because it was two CGI creatures beating the crap out of each other and it wasn't compelling. Honestly, I, I blame it on direction more than I more than the actual content itself. Second is here we have. I know I don't know. I how realize that I. Now. I assume they did a certain amount of mocap, but the fact is the monsters actually moved in very inhuman ways that they simply couldn't have done with people in suits. Right. So I, I think that, you know, we ended up with something really great.
10: Even if they were inhuman and supernatural, they felt still felt yeah. natural for that creature. And it's, uh, it,
1: you know, fusing um, special effects and drama, it's all about tact and what you can get away with. And we've hit a point where we can get away with this now, and it feels completely natural. We can actually have this action without something as dynamic as, say, Gollum. To help hold our hands through the process, so it's a big step. Now the doors are finally open. The like it's finally possible to create a giant monster film that plays with the tropes that the Japanese have been developing for so many years, and can also speak to the same blockbuster audience that Hollywood has actually been, you know. Well, the the
6: problem with that, as you were saying before, though, it's really up to the director to make it good because you can make a giant monster. Beat down film and it's going to be shitty unless you have a really good director to make it work Yeah, well It's like
1: why is why is Michael Bay's name worth even mentioning in a discussion about something as quality as this Well, it's simply because he is a person who's in the who has the power to make films of this caliber and decides
6: not to yeah, He's what's not he's what like the example of what not to do.
10: So I'm gonna jump in real quick. I saw pain and gain I don't know what that is. That was another Michael Bay film. That was his attempt at something more humorous And that was like the Marky mark and the rock Okay. Movie where they're basically bodybuilders that kidnap a... And it was, I, I was it completely unaware non, of this. It is a non-blockbuster Michael Bay film, so he didn't okay. have explosions and CG monsters How was to it? Lie How lie brave on. of it him? It was fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> there was potential, which is why I went to go see it, and it was still a fucking miserable film. That's
6: because Michael Bay is a terrible director. Exactly. There, it doesn't matter what he does, but people s- still see Transformers it's why? because it's CG and shiny. Because
10: they want to see Giant monsters and explosions. There like I know monsters. so many people that loved Man of Steel just because Metropolis was decimated by two godlike entities. I work with for people those like people, that. Yeah. For those people, I want to say, go watch this movie. It'll give you what you want and some stuff you didn't even know you wanted.
6: Right. Like There's this like, thing called plot and story and character and development.
10: I feel like the city should be destroyed after these fucking four titans stomped all over the city. Anyway, so that's the, the, my whole gripe with Man of Steel can be heard in another <laughs> in a podcast, previous In a previous but, episode, yes. um, What
6: well, we're essentially saying, see Pacific Rim, it's better than everything else. Done. Done. I, it, mean, I can't add anything to that. It's really good. I didn't think it was it, going to be. And it's
1: I, Guillermo del Toro lending his directorial prowess to a genre that is he doesn't uh, normally do yeah it's 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 not nor, it's not his thing usually and he he, he, well, it he really does well. i mean he
6: did the hellboy you know movies i guess it's action so yeah i guess kind of but this is robot action but, you know the hellboy was personal and more subdued and this is i mean this is this is really truly the content of a summer blockbuster. Yeah, and we're all per- Ron Perlman's in it. So yeah, These shiny golden shoes that I really want now. I hope someone may make- I hope Nike makes them for like five hundred dollars as usual.
10: I love how massive they were in Charlie Day's hand.
1: <laughs> right now, we're gonna cut to a track, and what better than some of the score from Pacific Rim by Ramin jawadi This is called "Go Big or Go Extinct." <laughs> And now we return to how I met your Mothra.
4: Hey, hey, your Uncle Gamera's here. Uncle Gamera! Hey, Manila. Wow, you weigh a ton. What you been eating? Battleships? <laughs> wow, Gauss, did you get your horns done? Yeah, Mom took me to the salon. What's a special occasion? You're looking pretty hot to trot. <sighs> Tomorrow's the junior social. She's got a date with Megalon! Minnie ella shut up, my god! <laughs> He's captain of the night destroy us, and they're gonna French kiss! I am totally gonna kill you! Hey, gal, easy, yo. don't get your wings in a bunch. <laughs> Manila, ella why don't you put your detective skills to work and find Uncle Gamera a drink? You got it, dude! <laughs>
3: Wait a minute, is that... The shell from hell, the Grinch from the trench, making total Total destruction destruction look look like like a a cinch. cinch. You've got the breath, and you've got the feet.
4: A lizard and a turtle turtle that can't can't be beat. beat. Camera, Godzilla, Zilla, Zilla,
3: ba 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 ba, (laughs)
7: woo!
4: Oh my god, you guys are so embarrassing. I'm going to my room.
3: What are you doing here, pal?
4: Well, I was just passing through town. I want to see if I could crash here for a few days.
3: Ah, jeez, I don't know, Camera. Things are getting kind of nuts around here. Gigan's in a lot of trouble, and Gauss has a dance. King Ghidorah's coming over for dinner tomorrow. Plus, I have to ask Mothra, and you know how she is.
4: Hey, don't sweat it, man. I can help out around the house. I can watch the kids. I mean, Gamera is friend to all children. Yeah, about that. Are you still on that list? mini my Avril Lavigne city is ruined! You are dead meat, you hear me?
3: You're hired.
9: And-
1: oh, these guys, co- we've had quite the adventure in giant monsters but there's so much more to say we're not quite done yet prepare for one more segment of this tangential conversation or tangential conversation i don't know what either of those words mean let's talk about the genitals of giant monsters no actually i mean
6: there's you wh- know what yeah that's something we haven't touched on <laughs> um, <laughs> could, could it destroy a building like say godzilla got a little aroused would it pop out and puncture a building okay guys Are
5: we, we talking godzilla or zilla
6: well why don't you tell us let's let's talk about both <laughs>
5: and
1: maybe you guys can well correct, correct me if i'm wrong here i don't think godzilla has ever taken a dump now zilla i'm pretty sure that <laughs> i'm pretty sure there was some scene involving zilla taking a dump or pissing or something because matthew broderick had to get that pregnancy test done
5: oh my <laughs> gosh that's right i remember
1: I just, the pregnancy test happening i remember that being a plot element but i don't remember how it happened
5: he neither there was a there was a deleted scene where he's standing underneath with just a. Uh, Oh whatever they're called, like a one touch. Just
6: <laughs> 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 it's ma- It's like the size of a bus, and he's just holding it all the way up <laughs> for it to urinate it's, on. To. It's weird the parts of the film that I remember. Um, yes, it is Cap. The be,
1: weird the parts that you remember. Well, because I, you know I don't remember how he got a urine sample for the pregnancy test. But I remember him tearing apart uh, some kind of a convenience store looking for a pregnancy
6: test, and all the other cast members were like, What the fuck are you doing, man? He's like, I gotta
1: find a pregnancy test. <laughs> <laughs> that
5: movie
6: sucks. Oh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't they just look at all the eggs in that building and go, Yup,
5: babies. <laughs> it was on the other day, believe it or not. And. Uh. I was like tempted, but kind of not tempted to watch it. Luckily, there was something else on that. I was like, yeah, hey, watch that instead. <laughs> I, mean, I am for a kaiju episode. I'm not going to watch Godzilla <laughs> 1998. No way. <laughs> now, see so another just kaiju in general. Here's something that we didn't talk, uh, talk about that might actually include that was big man Japan. Yeah, any of those monsters do anything crazy.
1: We were up in the press room at GMX in Nashville, Tennessee, myself and Hex and Doug and Jonna. There was a the craziest shit on that video screen. And (laughs) explain to me, I was not there. Brandon, I can't even really begin to explain. Suffice it to say, you got to watch this film. It's called Big Man Japan. It is like... Okay, I don't remember the name of this game. There's this game that was re- one of the earlier games released on the PlayStation Store when you could download games from PS1 that were from Japan and not Cho-an-iki. translated. Is it Choaniki? With the big
6: muscle people? Right. Oh, no.
1: pull, oh yeah, pull. Choaniki. Yeah. So you, you, you play as you, it's basically
6: and it's a, creepiest thing ever.
1: It's like a space fighter game except you play as like, like nude muscle men who like <laughs>
6: spin and shoot things out of their mouths and then you the bosses you fight have like giant robotic penises which are like people's heads coming out and all weird shit. Yeah. Right.
1: Uh-huh. This is a giant monster film that's basically that
6: so perfect movie then yeah okay i've that never seen anything like Japanese. it i'm
1: likely to never see anything like it ever can again you post
6: a link to it so i can find it we
1: will post a link to where you can watch or pick it up on this episode's page okay. you i wish there was some way i could express that film on this episode but really impossible it is actually impossible so don't take my word for it but check this out <laughs> big man japan
5: <laughs> actually i do know where you can find it it's actually free if you have amazon prime uh on amazon Instant video There you go. Well, we'll link to that,
1: that link, that specific link on this episode's page, Big Man Japan. Uh, what were you guys, what, before I hijacked that, what were you guys going to say about Big Man Japan?
5: I don't know if there's really much to say, like you, like you said, it's really hard to explain, except I can kind of explain it, but just through the monsters, like simply just because like, gosh, there's, I don't know. It's about like a sumo wrestler, a sumo wrestler kaiju, I guess, (laughs) with a big afro. And he just, he fights all the weird, there's like an office monster, or like, not really an office monster, but like a traditional Japanese stereotypical businessman, which I think is hilarious because they're aware of the businessman stereotype in Japan, (laughs) who's got like a giant, like, uh, slinky neck. And I think, I think that's what it was. Maybe it was. And then there's like a a headless kaiju with like a giant long eyeball penis thing and And it, like, that's what it, it, like, throws it at Big Man Japan, and he, like, I don't know. Now, what is, who is it's, Big Man Japan? What is Big Man Japan?
6: Like, is it uh, another monster? A giant yeah, big man? Yeah, yeah.
5: That, like I said, he's, he's, a, like, a sumo wrestler. Oh, like, that's he's Big a, Man B- Japan. he's a big man, and oh, he's basically okay. a sumo wrestler with a big afro.
1: It's a big man, he's from Japan, Big Man Japan. There you go. It's pretty awesome. Okay, here's a little story that you might know, but it's definitely one worth telling, because it's related to giant monsters. Kim Jong il once abducted a South <laughs> Korean director. Basically, he's considered the Orson Welles of South Korea. His name is Shin Sang Ok. Oh, this just got real in here. And, Or Ok. Shin Sang Ok. Maybe let's go. Let's say Ok. Doc Ok. We'll call him Doc Ok. Um, <laughs> he abducted this director, jailed him, fed him grass, and then forced him to shoot a socialist Godzilla film. Wait, like they actually filmed a Godzilla? Kim Jong il. ...is a big fan of film. Well, he, not anymore. but Well, was a big fan of film. <laughs> but he thinks that everybody's doing it wrong. He's like, where are the messages about communism, y'all? And so he abducted this guy and his wife... ...bags over their heads with chloroform in it. They were in prison for four years. He didn't even know if his wife was alive... ...because it was an all-male prison camp. Then after four years... Kim Jong-il's like, hey, you're the guest of honor at my party. And his wife's there and he's like, oh my God, what's happening? He's like, sorry, I wasn't able to get to you guys sooner. I'm really unhappy with what my, my North Korean government-sanctioned film house is producing these days. I want you guys to, to head up my film studio. And so he produced a bunch of films for him. And among them is a essentially a Godzilla ripoff that was created at Kim Jong-il's request for North Korean audiences. It's called... Pulgasari Pulgasari, Pulgasari. Wow. Yes. He's, a, he's a monster of the people when the wicked king oppresses the people a jailed blacksmith molds a tiny character out of rice declaring that he will use the last spark of his creative power to bring the doll to life Pulgasari was played by uh, Pachiro Satsuma the second actor to wear the Godzilla suit actually flown in from Japan not abducted um, <laughs> wow! Are you serious? Yeah. This is a real movie. Uh, who soon? Who he? He dressed up as the lumbering Google-eyed Paul Gasari Yeah, this is all. This information is uh is from. It's kind of by proxy, but uh, Doc Ock actually wrote. I, I I should actually call him by his name. Uh, Shin <laughs> Shin Shin wrote a book about. So I'm sure, he's allowed to listen to this. about this experience. Well, no, he he escaped. That's how he he actually escaped in the nineteen eighties. From is this
6: kind of like an Argo, but in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's like argo except that all the movies are real Oh, okay uh, basically the full story after after that point he was basically in prison but he was still able to make movies under the the, the crazy dictations of kim jong-il you, several years went by he produced a lot of work uh they tried to the the north koreans tried to play up that he didn't he wasn't abducted he defected of his own free will <laughs> they created a bunch oh. of lies and the guy's still actually trying to overcome the lies that kim jong-il spread about him and like, cause you know, obviously South Koreans are very sensitive about anybody who would devote time to North Korea and all that and produce cinema. Uh, and they were being, some of them were being released. Uh, of course no one gave a shit, but some of them were being released <laughs> in South Korea. In fact, even the Godzilla, so we film. can actually watch this movie or has it been like forbidden? Ooh, I, I don't
6: know. I don't, I don't know. What I do know is that, um, it, was finally released in 1998 so i'm just gonna say you're not a real uh godzilla fan or monster or kaiju fan unless you've seen this movie this is this is the movie you need to see to call yourself a fan so if you haven't you just should
1: it was finally released in 1998 after it was like it was created in the early 80s so i bet it looks it, wonderful wow uh yeah i bet it looks great uh it, it bombed and a total of about a thousand people saw it during its limited release
6: is that what started the downfall of, of Kim Jong-il?
1: I would uh, suspect His that it His health was declined right after that movie bomb, didn't it? Uh, n- no, that would be... No. that's, <laughs> no, that's if, ni-
5: 1998. Yeah, you know, it takes I, 10 if years. If I found out about this sooner, there would have been a thousand and three people who had wanted to... <laughs> 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 uh, here's more
1: details on uh, the Godzilla knockoff, Polgasari. He eats iron to grow, and he, he starts off as a cherubic toddler and soon becomes a horned beast whose claws... Are uh, the size of a person. He starts
6: small and he grows throughout the film. Yeah, he eats iron, not like capitalists or well. You know. <laughs> th- things get really weird with the story. There, I'll I'll post a link to where you can
1: uh, check out an article about the story that was presented in this book from the Guardian, which was published in 2003. Kim Jong Il wrote a book called "On the Art of Cinema," where he <laughs> had very very strict guidelines of what you should what constitutes a good film, of course, a good film being the only film you can make. I learned everything Um, from that book. And and, (laughs) uh and as a result, in this Pulgasari giant monster film there are quote, seemingly endless shots of the people's folk dances.
6: (laughs) Really? Yeah. I really want to watch this movie. Me too, man. I want to check it out.
5: No, I me too.
6: Can we can we stream this thing live for everyone to like watch yeah, with I'm us? I'm gonna go
1: ahead and say that unless it's um, say a conflict of interest that could cause say um, maybe some sort of a nuclear conflict, <laughs> it's probably within our rights to stream this film that has, I assume, no copyright law applied to it. So yeah, probably.
5: Well, no, <laughs> Japan's got our back, and Alaska has already has the missile tower set up, so I think we're all good. Yeah, let's do it. Two and three
1: South Koreans now wish that their country had nuclear arms. <laughs> this is just to get real here for a moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just saying. You can't hug with nuclear arms. That's all I'm saying.
6: (laughs) You can't (laughs) hug a baby with nuclear arms.
1: Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Or Pogasari. Whatever. More giant monstery stuff,
5: dude. You should you should totally talk about um uh, the repaintings. Oh yeah, this, this is this is like my one of the coolest facts. We could take uh, kaiju back into the realm of TV, which brings us to tokusatsu and Super Sentai shows. Sure, our associate but and buddy on uh, the Wicked Anime Podcast, Young uncommon Rider Sean, he is all about Sentai and tokusatsu. So we picked his brain about a whole bunch of. Weird and awesome facts that are Sentai and uh, kaiju tokusatsu, all that sort of stuff. Ultraman being the first tokusatsu hero started in 1966, and they had like a monster of the week type of thing going on there. And then when Sentai came along, originally they didn't have you know Megazords and stuff like that, where the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, it, to us was the more important one, and that's the start of where. Kaiju came in and you know, giant monster fights. Now, the cool, like, the cool little facts that you learn about uh monster suits from Sentai and Super Sentai shows is that they actually had such a low budget that they used to reuse the rubber suits for the monsters on like an episode, an episodic basis. Oh, fuck, where where they would just take them and either just repaint the color scheme or just put new pieces onto it to make it look like a different monster, which I, I thought is just like the, the funniest thing, you know, and there's a series out now called, um, Akiba Ranger, which is a, a hilarious show. It's, it's made by the same guys who do all of the power Rangers. Yeah, all of what like we that. know as power Rangers in Japan. Okay. They have interesting that called- they
1: adopted the, the Ranger title after all yeah, this time. Um,
5: mm-hmm. there, there is actually a lot of Rangers like go Ranger and, uh, well, shows and, what I
1: know. That's why you're the experts. Yeah.
5: <laughs> and stuff and stuff like that but um they they parody all of the tropes that sentai has picked up over the years and they have enemies in the show who look exactly the same like they did of the monsters that they beat in the last episode and they like call the monster out on it. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? Like the monster, like literally tells him my color scheme is completely different than that last monster. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and That's awesome. it's just a complete satire on the shows that the company who produces this show have made themselves. That's beautiful. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, talking about Sentai is a good opportunity to segue into the other part of what we need to discuss in this episode, the big elephant in the room we haven't hit on the enemies an of elephant, giant monsters. Oh, yeah. Kind
5: of yep. monster. Teenagers with attitude.
1: Right. Just vermin. We could make a laundry list here. And I, I don't know how much is to be, to be said about this exactly, but humanity creates giant robots to fight these monsters. Ancient civilization creates giant robots to fight these monsters sometimes you i don't know fertilize a rose bush with your dead daughter and then use godzilla (laughs) cells to crossbreed with a plant that crashed during an earthquake and it turns into a giant plant that seems like maybe it's a bad guy but then inevitably fights
6: godzilla (laughs) (laughs) wait did that that happen that's violante oh Jesus! that is the story of violante what (laughs) someone wrote that
1: it, it nineteen eighty nine Godzilla film wow. post That's reboot. That's
5: really that is really weird because just yesterday I experienced something similar. <laughs> Do
1: tell. In your in your personal life, you experienced something similar. Indeed. <laughs> okay, what you got? That's it. No, I'm <laughs> not telling
6: anyone. Just wait. Hey, not cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> there are no natural enemies of these giant monsters. There, there, there created are them. actually
1: natural enemies of the giant monsters. For example, lack of oxygen. Um, <laughs> Uh, many other giant monsters are the enemy of giant monsters. For uh, like, Gamera had to fight many giant monsters that either came from space or some somewhere else. You know, Gamera started as a villain, but
6: then all of a sudden, not so much. He was just cranky at the beginning. He's just a grumpy old turtle. Grumpy, but man, that little that he so should that turtle, have fought. If they were smart, they should have made him fight a giant bunny rabbit. That would have been that <laughs> would have or been hair, if you will. Someone yeah. corrected me the other day and said they're two different things. And I said I don't care. You said, you said, Go fuck yourself, grandma. Yeah. CFU, <laughs> yeah. grandma. But yeah. But I don't think they get that analogy over there. Mm. They don't have that. No. Ninja nope. kick the damn rabbit.
5: Um. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you what is not a natural enemy of the giant monster. That would be military. Yes. No yeah. missiles, guns. Because they always end up doing more damage than the monster itself. I I love, 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 love the fact that in every single Godzilla movie, if Japan, if the Japanese just let Godzilla do his thing, less of Japan would be destroyed in every movie. Three quarters through
6: the film, they always realize, oh fuck, we really shouldn't have done anything. It kind of seems like there's a message in every film saying the military doesn't know what they're doing and shouldn't be allowed to do what they're doing.
5: Well, see, but Japan always has their own space laser or a, man-made tsunami like pointed straight at japan ready to destroy the monster and godzilla and they always fail they always miss and they always do a terrible job and the japanese are really their own worst enemy in that case so i think we've
6: learned that the greatest monsters of all are man which is really
1: (laughs) in most cases the lesson that comes out of these films um, we're we're always somewhat responsible for creating them. Godzilla was created by you know atomic explosions. We're to blame. Even even freaky things like you know uh, uh is science gone wrong. Gamma the in the '90s, Gamma films. If I remember correctly, you know, like there's there's some ancient evil that Gamera will fight, and there's some shit from space. Really, the enemy becomes uh, the unknown. You know, like. There's the, the threat of a, of a giant monster, but then you realize the giant monster is a force of nature itself. It's an embodiment of the Earth or the spirit of the Earth. It's a natural state of things for these creatures to do what they're doing. And only when mankind interferes does something worse happen. For example, Space Godzilla, as he's often called, the motherfucker with crystals coming out of his back and all that. that That's his nickname. That was a byproduct of cells of Godzilla. Like, because Godzilla... <laughs> Was that a human intervention? It was well. It was actually a human. Intervention. It was they. It's not ever explained. But it was either Bielante or Mothra's fault that cells ended up in space. Cells end up in space. It comes into contact with a black hole, and somehow that mutates and creates a space Godzilla, which descends to Earth and uh, wreaks havoc.
5: And it can al- he can always find his way
1: back. I'm not really sure who's to blame there, but it's it's a clusterfuck. I'll tell you that much. But ultimately, the problem is humanity created Godzilla, and for some reason, he is unfucking killable.
6: Like. Does not he just go back to sleep at the end of every episode?
1: Yeah. Or episode. Every end of every, every episode. It may as well be a serialized television show. There's so many films. Well, no. and then we're not
5: getting into Hanna-Barbera, are we?
1: <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's a big fucking cave full of mo- fucking spider monkeys, man.
5: Godzilla! Godzilla! That's
1: you know, you know who's a is?
6: natural enemy of monsters, too? I'm going to say giant monsters. Van Helsing. No. I, <laughs> God, No. <laughs> <laughs> don't, even, don't ever say that to me again. No, um, I was going to say giant swords that shoot laser beams. <laughs> yes. Because you see like in everything, there's like everything where the, the, main, the main guys get like their hands on a giant robot or they form Voltron or do whatever. There's always a sword and they always slice at the enemy and then the enemy explodes. And So that happens a lot. So if you've got a well, giant sword the size of a skyscraper, I think that would help.
5: Yeah, it's I think it's I think it's because it's a cheaper effect than to actually have a sword swung at a costume to <laughs> actually just, you know, point it and have a goofy laser. And then come like out of
6: fireworks it. go off and you're like, ah, oh, I must have hit it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned swords and stuff, because uh, just recently, um, you know, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate came out and, uh, mm. and I, I bought it because it's Monster Hunter and it's. It's kind of fun. Like, you know, they don't start out as kaiju or kaiju, but as you go on through the game, they are significantly bigger than you are, but you still manage to kill them somehow. It's an hour-long battle, but you kill one of them at some
6: point. Pretty much, yeah. In Xenogears, sometimes Mm. you're in the, the giant robot suit and you're wandering around and you end up fighting a creature as big as your mech. It's true, it's kind of like... That's somewhat terrifying. It's kind of like if, you know, they discovered all those, those mechs under the ground, it's like if they hadn't discovered them, what happens when you run into a jellyfish the size of a building? because they exist. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess the world gets killed from giant electric. <laughs> they're electric and they shoot electric beams out of them, so. Yeah, that, that's it's, just, it's an unnerving thing. Giant worms, the sandworms. Mm. Basically, yeah. everyone on the planet should have been killed a long time ago. <laughs> so that would be like modern day today if you had dinosaurs like T-Rexes running around and we didn't have any weapons to defend against them. Well,
1: there'd be an economy based on, like, Pokemon. <laughs> you
6: gotta, people throwing <laughs> balls at T-Rex and then getting, getting eaten?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we close this out, we got a very important question that is going to be proposed to us. Propose the question, Wicked Anime, please.
5: Okay, we want to know, we're going to do this individually too, but we want everybody else involved in this too, is what one giant monster would you bring to a giant monster fight? If you had all your cards laid out on the table and you were going all in, which one would you count on to beat them all?
6: I've already got mine picked out.
5: I do too, actually. Who wants to go first?
6: (laughs) I will go. I don't really remember that much um, what it looks like, but the giant monster from Aratsuka Doji... (laughs) <laughs> which is an old, old old anime and you know one of the first tentacle things um yeah. basically it's a huge monster like i don't even was he the size of like an entire city i believe yeah
5: he, um, he eventually got there because he, he yeah. started out as like a high school kid
6: his main weapon were like giant flailing tentacle penises like the size of buildings and he's pretty much unstoppable and i think if godzilla went up against him he would get dick slapped several hundred times before he could even get off his atomic breath so that's who i would bring to the uh the kaiju fight, and at a certain point in the movie, he starts spraying stuff out of him, I believe.
5: So, yeah, well, it I mean, is a hentai. So uh, that maybe would be very
6: much possible. That would make things either you know a lot a lot grosser. Yeah.
5: That's that's something you'll probably never hear ever. Is is hey, this porn has an anime that or has a, has something that's unbeatable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think reading out of the dictionary will you know. Put those no. words together ever again.
6: I found this clip, Cap. I don't know if this is from Aratsuka Doji or what, but I found that little image. Uh, uh, Brandon here has... He's uh, <laughs> like a shop owner and a
1: little girl looks he eight. He's got some kind of... Uh, Brandon found some kind of lolicon porn here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's
6: a little hentai girl was like eight and giving like a 50-year-old then, Japanese shop man like, a handjob, and I don't know why. A magical handjob by the looks of it. That popped up
1: when thank I typed Brandon. in Aratsuka thank you for, Doji. Thank you for showing that to me. Yep.
5: So um, let's see. We have... Uh, Red Line, the movie Red Line, good movie, which came out, uh, you know, uh, directed by awesome, the, basically the Japanese Michael Bay, <laughs> Takashi <laughs> Koike, Takashi Koike. So, you know, this monster monster's going to make things explode is uh, near the end of the movie when, uh, yes, the real name of the monster, Funky Boy, shows up.
1: Yeah, uh, OK. This is
5: this is the giant monster Funky Boy. He is a giant worm, like made out of nuclear energy, Yeah, make out, made out of pure nuclear energy and his weapon is a supersonic nuclear scream that can destroy planets.
6: Oh wow. you know I've seen the first ten minutes of. <sighs> Would this you movie. call that a weapon? Because it sort
1: of eclipses
6: weapon.
5: <laughs> well, let's just, let's just put it this way. It was, I, I suppose, maybe because because he uses it in the movie. It doesn't destroy the planet, but it's pretty destructive. There's there's significantly less cars after he uses it, and there's a. Big explosion. It's pretty nuclear.
6: That movie's pretty great, Cap. I've seen like the first 10 minutes. I don't know why I never finished it. But it's good. Yeah,
8: you should really finish it.
6: Yeah. How do we feel about giant monsters that are also humans? If they're giant monsters, then why not?
5: Yeah, if they're considered Daikaiju, go for it.
1: Okay, this is, uh, this is an odd one. Uh, mine is the warrior dragon from Ninja Turtles. Uh, he's, his actual name is Chu Si, and he's a uh, Chinese American firefighter who is... um trapped in a burning bu- building and a, an old Asian shop owner had this sort of a, this knickknack that had been empowered by a dragon spirit and was used to get them both out of the building. He Im- imbued this guy with this warrior dragon spirit. And it's basically a, uh, uh, a Chinese style dragon. It, it's a, it, it essentially, he shapeshifts. There's the warrior dragon has sort of a, an element to it, but ultimately uh Si was, is still a sort of in control of, of this dragon. And, uh, He's got he's got fire breath and so on and but I suppose the most important feature of him is that he can actually control the size
6: that he is. He can
1: he can meet something, so he
6: becomes a giant monster.
1: Right. He can he can either be you know a seven foot tall like approachable can crouch inside of a house dragon or he can <laughs> fight a massive you know, 30-story tall foot soldier, as was the case once upon a time in the Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventures. So I, I'd say the reason, the reason I'm putting him in here is that, you know, not only does he have all the attributes of a traditional kaiju, in addition to some cool armor, he has, you know, intellect enough to actually do he battle. He has a brain. Yeah. So he can think. Yeah, and you guys may actually know him if you guys collected Turtles figures at all, released in a completely different color scheme with a completely different name as Hothead. I do huh. not
6: have an Asian man dragon. In my Ninja Turtles collection. And he was, uh, he's, he's yellow in the comics, but he was red when they released him. Oh, that's cool. Is he related to Savage Dragon? No,
1: that is a much <laughs> lesser dragon in my book.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
1: my turn then? Yes. yes.
5: All right. So uh, for me, I am going to bring to the battle the spirit god from Studio Ghibli's Princess Mononoke.
6: Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, that is okay. a good one.
5: Yeah. Now, he, when he's good, he's just like a weird deer Uh, type thing with like really strange antlers but then he was killed and he wasn't really killed yeah he wasn't really killed but but when he was struck down he morphed into this giant like just if it touched anything it was like a blob that just killed whatever it touched and 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 i think it had like grabbing tentacles and stuff like that and it, it just sucked the life out of whatever it touched. And, which is weird because it's the forest spirit, so it's like, well, because after they brought it down, it turned into, like, flowers. In well, because I think it. it was
1: dying, yeah. It became uh, the, the antithesis of itself. Um, right. It was upset. But, man, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I don't honestly... Well, it turned,
5: it
6: turned into that, not not where, you know, at, at, they said, I think, at night or whatever, yeah. he would turn into that giant gelatinous beast thing. But he wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't kill but things. It didn't destroy. No, but I think when they, you know... Shot his head off, which is, you know, a great scene. Yeah. He was just like this thing of death now because he was just dying. He was just grasping at everything and trying to get his head back.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, un- even another another giant monster could not stop that thing. It's just too too goopy and lethal. Like unless you unless you do what they did in the film, there's no stopping it. So that's that's yeah. a fucking great
6: one. <laughs> Keep his See head out from him till sunrise. Yeah.
5: <laughs> See now with with mine as well. Uh, if you haven't seen Redline yet, yeah the the way that Funky Boy ends his scene is only with another giant monster fighting him, and it never ever ever. Not even at the end of the movie, see, you see him get defeated. Just It just moves on from that. So he never gets defeated either. Wow. <laughs> um, literally, the movie ends and, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, there's still a giant monster battle going on somewhere in the wasteland. What the heck is... What? <laughs> if you guys,
1: you, you lovely, sexy listeners out there in your sports coats and your thong underwear...
6: Um, crotchless panties. Crotch chaps. Yes. Velvet
1: whips. Can you make a hospital slippers if you have a giant monster that you want to throw into the battle just hey let us know post about it on the forums we can um maybe start our own version of kaiju combat
6: yeah, we'll just see if they want to accept our monsters <laughs> we'll, we'll just create our own you know and we'll see you know we'll pay the money and be like hey put this monster in there and they'll be like no that's stupid and we'll be like oh okay and we'll cry
5: that'd <laughs> be awesome if there was a nerdy show monster in it's, it's, <laughs> it's a
6: nude brandon propelled by farts no i've got <laughs> i've got a giant bird but its body is made out of a colostomy bag. Um, so it's a colostomy bag with wings, and basically it shoots poop on everything. Is that
5: right? That works, right? That <laughs> sounds a monster? like
6: that is E for everyone, Brandon. Yeah. E for everyone.
5: Yep. You know, you know, I'm an artist, right? I can do this up, right, and send them a concept yeah, and everything. Colostomy have to bag
6: with a beak and wings. Um, let's put uh, let's put a hold
1: on that. We're gonna we're gonna workshop <laughs> that one a little bit before we uh, send it out. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I've got a million ideas in this brain. He's full of ideas. I just I don't I don't stop.
5: That was kind of weird. That was like a, a Tapagotchi from Wicked Anime in a Nerdy Show episode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why we're buddies, man. That's, that's,
5: <laughs> Heck yeah. That's why we're, we're even, all, we're all high fives. all high fives to our needs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're all high fives and bro grabs around these parts.
5: Right. Uh. All the way from Boston.
1: <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Nerdy Show. And for those of you who supported us, thank you so much for making this episode a reality. Now that uh, this episode is out, why... Mm, just right around the corner, you may find that you will get to decide the topic for a Nerdy Show Prime episode. So don't dawdle. Don't wait around. When we launch a new topic support drive, be there in style and suggest your topic. Or if you see one you like, back someone else's because it is coming back. And we are
6: going to uh, we're going to do it right this time. <laughs> you could suggest maybe the topic birds if you'd like, um, <laughs> and you know that would work. So if you get that, that's cool. You know, I'm just I'm just throwing stuff out there for you. You could you could make. Um, Brandon's uh, where birds came from, how they're, you know, how they fly. They're what what inner workings, was it? Uh, birds. Cheese, wine, turds and birds. There we go. You yeah. Can, yeah, you can make. And bre- I can talk about bird turds. You could make, you, know? you could make this, uh, the show with. Uh, they got effort metanethro- kidneys, son. <laughs> Brandon. Nitrogen based waste as urates. You don't even want to get me started. <laughs> oh <laughs> You can Don't make even. Brandon and Jared's cheese, wine, birds, and turds podcast You want to have a better garden? Have a bird shit in it, son. That's nitrogen in your soil. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Man, this is both
1: nerdy
5: and turdy. And mm-hmm. in that, that note, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Brandon. Bye, I'm stupid, awesome analyst Jonathan. Bye, I'm Harder man with hard opinions, Andrew. And taking
1: us out, this track's called Black Genesis, New Continent by Rexy and Brandon Strader. This is from the Final Fantasy VI album Balance and Ruin, which just recently came out from OC Remix. This is their interpretation of the battle music when you fight Atma Weapon. A big
12: freaking monster.
3: The clerk told him he couldn't open. Heart frequency of the its. going to be based on several factors. Hope you have room for
1: more of your favorite Saurian suburbanites. There's more. How I Met Your Mother right now.
4: Is it just me or the buffalo wings taste like chicken?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I believe they are chicken, son. Gamma is a born jokes to King Ghidorah always has been, never stopped. Ah. Who kicked me? This is a lovely meal, Martha. What did you say it was? May I be excused? Not until you finish your supper.
4: I'm full already, and I've really got to finish up my worksheet on determining the mass of protons. Protons have mass? I didn't even know they were Catholic.
3: (laughs) I'll let the boy go. No need in making him stay put on my account. (sighs) Fine, but you better get an A. Sure thing, Dad. So have you had a chance to look over those increases in skyscraper fortification? I have. They'd make them way tougher to knock down, for sure. But uh, do you think the citizens can possibly afford them? Well, in my experience, the cost of living has never affected its popularity. (laughs) Well, sir, even if they go for it, there's nothing they can build that we can't knock down. But it can't slow us down, either. Our business is mass destruction. We have to level the competition. What the Oh wow are
4: Gigan! Gigan! Oops. Uh, well, uh, I guess the massive protons in this wall aren't as dense as I'd expected. Gotta give this one of the Buick.
3: Stealing the car to hang out with those teenagers with attitude problems? You are in big trouble, mister. Now hold on. How would you like a job, son? (laughs) Wait a minute. That's my date. I'll be back
4: before midnight. Don't wait up. Now hold on a second, young lady.
3: French (laughs) French, 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 kiss, French kiss, French kiss, French kiss. kiss, (laughs) Well, honey, when you're right, you're right.
2: Ein Imperium Imperial
7: When will they stop?
6: Thanks for
1: listening to Nerdy Show! Nerdy Show was made possible by A Comic Shop, Nerdapalooza, and the generous support of listeners like you! As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or making a contribution in our monthly support drives. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show voxophones and pictograms. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. For more episodes of Nerdy Show as well as other fine programs, community forums, kinetoscopes, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. Whoever gives me this Pacific Rim job is in <laughs> for a treat. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> it's going to be salty as the Pacific. To flavored with Malaysian spices. <laughs> <laughs>
7: uh.